Hey, what's up? It's Shane with Dynamis Media, and I'm joined here with Stefan. Garbage day. Garbage day. Damn it, that was good. That was my next line. <laughs> uh, and you're tuning into <laughs> the Dark Side Drive-In, which is our horror-themed podcast where we cover movies from the 80s, sometimes 70s, and sometimes 90s. And man, you're probably asking yourself, what movie are we talking about today? And the answer would be, Stefan? The answer would be, look at the episode name before you click on it. But yeah, yeah. also, it's uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Okay, and then I'm sure the next question in your brain is like, do I need to see Silent Night, Deadly Night, the original, Part 1? And the answer is? You will, because it's this. Also this. Yeah. So the answer to the question is no, you don't have to see that first, because they do about, well, I don't know, I, I couldn't even tell when they switched, to be honest with you. Because it was, it got like kind of weird. But what was it, like an hour of the first one? It is about. I think it comes out to be about thirty minutes because it's it's the first thirty five to thirty eight minutes of the movie, but it's also interspersed with those uh, scenes with Ricky talking right. to the doctor. So yes, right. but it covers all the major plot points of the first movie. This is a few things that like a few scenes that add context that were removed, so you don't understand that like. The one girl that Billy murders, he actually had a crush on her or whatever. Like, yeah, right. Not that it really matters because he murders her anyway. Like, that's the point of it. So, if you're looking for that nuance, you should go look for uh, the first Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is streaming nowhere. Nowhere. Because I went to try to watch it because I wanted to make sure that I was like not getting mixed up between these two movies because of all the clip show stuff. And it was not available anywhere. <laughs> It was available to purchase. I could like have bought it on Vudu or on Amazon, but I'm like, I don't want to buy it. I want to watch it for free right now. I like to think that all of the um, like companies that do like streaming rights were like they got the rights to Silent Night, uh, Deadly Night Part Two, and then like the company was like, Oh, do you want the first as well? I was like, We all know we got it. We all know it's here. <laughs> no, we got the we got the good parts. We we got most of it. <laughs> the we only got the only good two part for one, movie, guys. Pretty much. Yeah, that's funny. So last time uh, we did our first in-person recording, which was a fun, a fun time for me. I, I had a blast. I think it came out and, you know, I think it did well. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, we learned a lot of lessons about um, my behavior around a microphone, which is that I can't be trusted and I move away from it and I look away from it a lot. And that, that sometimes my audio would drop. So like next time you just have to keep me disciplined and keep me on that boy. Like keep me on it. Keep me right in its face. So... That's yeah, I the lesson. Did, I thought you did a great job. It, it's it's different. Um, it's a different uh, dynamic, but I think we had a lot of fun. But so one thing we did last time was we played a new game where I had to describe a movie without um, without actually saying there was like three or four words and you can't say the titles. It's like taboo. It's movie taboo. Yeah. So I gave a bunch of clues out. Um, I think everyone knew what it was, and judging from the reaction on Facebook, I think everyone got it. So, everyone knew what it was? Well, yeah, why don't you go ahead and uh, take a victory lap. What, what was it? It was Paranormal Activity, even though the dead dog was actually in the second Paranormal Activity. Yeah, my bad. Like, well, A lot of those are pretty similar, so I, uh, you know, I, they all kind of run together. Because it is cool how they all those movies tie together. Is it? Um, I think so. I thought that's the most <laughs> interesting part of that movie. I would say Which maybe the first two or three are, are solid, but they really start to run away with it after that. Actually, oh, oh, uh, that wasn't a compliment. 
Like the only thing that's good about those movies oh, is, is that they, all, all of them are tied together. They talk, they're tied together. It's like, oh, it's like yeah. one, one complete narrative. Other than that, though, garbage. Well, the creepy sleeping scene, that 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 sticks with me. Because um, if you've ever lived with or if you do sleepwalk yourself, that shit's kind of scary. So, um, but other than that, like, I, you know, I, whatever. It, good job. Found footage. Great. It's like like it's like that lo-fi kind of found footage horror yeah. thing that like can be done really well. Um, that one using using stationary cameras, I think, worked to its benefit and to its detriment sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this the first one was really good. The second one was pretty good. Was it the second one where they had like an Xbox One or something, and that had like the room? Yeah, thing? with the connect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was so well. Like, see again, that could be three. I have no. I don't think it's three. I think it is two. It um, feels like it would have been two, but I don't really remember. Yeah, I don't know. If you know, let us uh, let us know. Go to our Facebook. Oh, we have a Facebook, by the way. Uh, Instagram or possibly X. Um, the thing you don't pay, you don't post on anymore, dude. I, I get so many spam messages in my inbox, and now they're just like they're for sure bots because. Before it was just very weird broken sentences, and now it's like broken sentences, but like all the vowels are like numbers, and then there's like weird like webding characters or wingding characters. Um, so I just delete them. So you got to keep them out. Keep the got to keep them out. Yeah, keep the weasels out of the chicken coop. I don't know. Is that a phrase? That seems like it would be a phrase, right? Um, sure. So uh, I'm sure everyone at home, all the folks at home. Uh, tuning in are probably like, please, God, get to the trivia question. That's what we're all here for. So uh, we're going back to trivia this time. That's what we're all and here for is this trivia game that you yeah, can that's it. That I, yeah, they just, turn, they just, de- just delete it off of their phone yeah. as soon as they listen to the trivia so, question. Surprisingly enough, none of them watch the movies. That's not true. Most people don't watch the movies, and I know that because they tell me. So, um, in my experience, which, it seems like they're more likely to watch the movie after we talk about it. Yes, correct. Than they are before we talk about it. Yeah, we're doing the Lord's work uh, by pre-screening some of these movies. Um, so, okay, here's the question: You ready for this? Yep. All right. In which 1973 movie does Donald Sutherland pursue a mysterious figure in a red coat? Don't look now. Okay, I'm, I'm so almost confident in that because it was on AMC's 100, 100 scares. Like when I was in high school and I remember the scene uh, is that he sees, he thinks it's his daughter in a red coat and he's pursuing her through like the, like sewers in like Venice or something. It's like in Europe somewhere. I don't know. Don't quote me on which country it is, but at the end of the movie, he thinks he found his daughter and it turns around and it's this dwarf that's been murdering people the rest of the movie and straight up kills him. And I remember when that scene happened, it scared me so damn much when I was in high school <laughs> to see that. Like you expect to see a little go- girl and you see this like grotesque dwarf and it's like, no, 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 no. So yeah, I'm very confident. Like audience, feel free to jump in on the Facebook whenever we post it, but I'm feeling good about this one. All right. Well, I'm not going to let you know until next time. Yeah, so um, tune into Facebook. Uh, we will be posting this, and you can give us your uh, give us your guess. Um, There's surprisingly a, good. I was gonna say something else that Don't Look Now is famous for, and it is that there's like a really graphic sex scene between uh, Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie in it. 
Ah, uh, I thought you were going to say the dwarf. No, I already, I already talked about the dwarf. We covered the dwarf. No, no, the the graphic. Oh, no, 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 the the intercourse. No, but that was the thing is it's like one of those scenes that like people are like, did they really have intercourse? It's like, hey, man, no, it's filmmaking. Like, they, But it was like one of those things that like the world wasn't ready for it, I guess. But uh, I just like think it's funny to imagine that like one of the most salacious like sex scenes in like film is also like President Snow from The Hunger Games. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I think uh, I, I love that segment. Um, you know, I, we're trying to find other fun stuff to do too. So if you have any ideas, just uh, get at us. But uh, I've, I've got some stuff cooking in the old uh, think tank. So uh, so maybe next year pot. Uh, after, um, you know, after we get a couple episodes in for January, I might throw some stuff in there, but we'll see. Um, and I'm not going to tell anyone, including you. So it's going to be a surprise. But uh yeah, uh, other housekeeping, we um, still have the website. We will have some reviews coming up, hint, hint. Um, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, yeah. You're talking about my Godzilla one that I yes. literally just told you I was rewriting it yes. because I was unhappy with it? Thank you for bringing that nah, up for the just... entire audience to know that I didn't actually finish it. Well, I did finish it, and then I didn't like it, so and now I'm again, finishing folks it again. Home, uh, what's funny is, so Stefan will write these like very well-written reviews, and he'll send them to me. He's like, oh, this is just garbage. And they're, they're like really good. I mean, honestly, they are. And I can only imagine how many times you're rewriting these things because you're just, you know. But they, hey, uh, proof is in the pudding. They turn out really well. So uh, I think we have three or four up already on the site. So, um, you know, I think you did what? Dungeons and Dragons. Um, what were the other movies you did? You did Renfield, right? Uh Renfield and yeah, Super so. Mario Brothers. Yeah. Because I was going to do uh, The yeah. Last Voyage of the Demeter as a companion piece to Renfield. And I actually have that one half written. I should just finish it. Even that movie wasn't a big hit when it came out. And several months after, yeah. it's even less of a hit. <laughs> less people are going to want to talk about that movie. But might as well finish the review. Yep. And then the final piece of housekeeping that I had, um, we we watched that movie after... Was it... Yeah, we watched it after we uh, did our in-person recording um we'll save our thoughts for the review but we should be doing that soon so um stay peeled it'll probably be bonus content we're definitely not going to give it the full what <laughs> you always say stay peeled like what if people aren't bananas <laughs> i know i love it that's i'm trying to i'm trying to make well you have like smash cut it's not it's not like it's a catchphrase it's just the thing good, that happens in movies i'm trying to make it a catchphrase yeah well, we're a movie podcast. So I'm trying to like tie it all in. Yeah, stay peeled. Yeah. It's everyone. But yeah, no, the movie that the so watch this in the nude or listen to this in the nude. Stay peeled. Take all your clothes. Okay, the movie you're talking about is uh, the older gods, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah, we can say it now. I guess older gods. Can um, we say it? Are we not allowed to say it for some reason? No, I mean literally, they just asked us to watch it, so we have full reign to do whatever we want. So, I mean, um, we've already watched it. We can't unwatch it. Correct. Uh, but, uh, well, stay tuned, not peeled, I guess. Uh, I mean, say stay peeled. If you like stay peeled. No, no, no. I, now I'm just self-conscious about everything I do now. So anyways, uh, keep an eye out. It will probably drop it sometime. Maybe Keep, keep an eye peeled. Yeah. Hey, that actually makes sense. Keep an eye peeled. Peel open your eyelids. No, but like keep your eyes peeled is a saying. So... Oh, that's why you're saying stay peeled, like keep your eyes open. Yes. That's a funny way to say it, actually. Jesus now I'm going to take back everything I've said to you. Yeah, it's too late. My the damage is done. The damage is done. The confidence is gone. 
Uh, so um, just keep watching for it. You'll see it probably drop in uh, January, maybe February. Um, and then also shout out to everyone that's been listening and supporting us and saying nice things. Uh, so people are saying like criticisms too. We greatly appreciate it. I know a lot of people tell us they're trying to download stuff for like long road trips and stuff. So hopefully everyone gets to get a good couple listens in while they're traveling to see family. But um, did you have any housekeeping or anything you want to get into? No, you already kind of took an underhanded jab at me about uh, oh. how my Godzilla review isn't done and my other reviews well, aren't out I, either. I retract it because you took the back the eyes peeled thing. So. All right, good. Let's end this hostility that yeah. took over our podcast somehow. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I don't really have anything else to say. I have, um, yeah, the Godzilla one is almost done. And if you are interested in Godzilla, um, you know, Check out Godzilla minus one. It's very good. And it's in theaters. I think it's expanding its theatrical run, but I'm sure that like, especially with smaller venue theaters, like those runs, even if they expand like their U S run, it'll probably only be at bigger venues. So, you know, keep an eye out and make sure it might, it might still be in one of your theaters. If you have like a smaller regional one, um, to try to get the time to see it, because even if they expand it, they usually expand it to bigger places, bigger, bigger markets, not to smaller ones. Do so you, do you think it'll go to Lawrenceville at all for like Lawrence, like uh, to the row house? Yeah. Oh yeah. Almost certainly. I mean, they, they play a lot of Godzilla stuff from time to time. So, um, but right. Probably not anytime soon Yeah. because bummer. right now I'd imagine the, well, I, like I think that when movies are in theaters, the way that like the revenue sharing and like the, mm-hmm. the, like, the rights, like the rights to show it are a little bit different, which is why like it's a little easier for a movie that's been out longer to get the rights to show it without like giving away, you know, a kidney or something like that, you know? Yep. So got it. So I think it'll get there, but I wouldn't expect it anytime soon. Cool. Well, I have so many thoughts on this movie. Um, and I really, (laughs) well, Let's let's get into the cast and crew first because it, they, I have some comments about some of the cast and or crew. Um, so I'm interested to hear your take on some of these things. Yeah. So why don't we uh, why don't we dip into the old uh, the old uh, cast of Rooney? Okay, let's do that because let me tell you, there's a lot of people here in this thing. Uh, not a lot of them are in a lot of things, but there's just a lot of people, and there's almost double the people because of all of the cutbacks to silent night deadly night part one and that kind of leads me to a question i'm gonna ask you is should i cover any of those people because they technically are in a different movie they're also technically in this movie and they're like aren't they like top build as well like no so they're in they're they're considered archive footage according Ah, to imdb but like if you look at imdb like how they have like if you go to like full cast and crew page yeah it shows you like the total number of people in each category it has 81 acting credits that's because crazy. of because of everyone between the two movies. Yeah, so, I'd say. All right, well, let's honestly. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Probably the only person that is of note from the. Well, I guess you you're gonna get into them because they're in this one too. Probably just Billy, right? Yeah. So you know, peek behind the curtain if you do leave this in this this table talk we're doing right now. Oh yeah, I'll leave it. So what I did was knowing that I didn't want to do all of the research for everybody the entire time. Mm -hmm. I basically picked like the main people from the first one, like Billy, mother superior, sister, Margaret, like, uh, and then the victims. And that was about it. 
and then that and then those are the ones that i picked and i only picked like a couple things for each of them because it's like i don't have time to go through because some of those people have like 140 things on their yeah, credits yeah, like i'm not right. going through all that like i have i have a job i don't have time to go through everyone on two silent night deadly night movies this is not my life so let's let's get let's get uh bacon on through part two and then if we if that comes uh that rises to a decent cake and you want to add a second layer then i can dive through the first one people that we see in the in the uh you know flashback footage so first up (laughs) we have director and co-writer double threat uh lee harry um so he has a few different roles he's played um so he's the director for street soldiers and the whistler and also the writer for both those things he was editor on Sci Factor, Escape from DS3, Warp Speed Laboratory, and Thunder Run. And he's in the editorial department for Street Fighter, the opening titles for Street Fighter. Like the one with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Sick. And Raul, du- Raul Julia. The good one. <laughs> I love that movie. Hey, don't you don't, don't you dare Sully Raul Julia. Okay. It's just the way they made Blanca was dumb and not the way okay, Blanca's it, supposed it to was, be. It was dumb. And Dalston was dumb. Dawson and was DJ dumb. was dumb. <laughs> and then they didn't give Belrog his moment. Dumb. Ken, and, Ken and Ryu were dumb. Oh my yeah. God. Was this movie bad? No, yeah. And, it, was, uh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, they had that, that funny, that funny scene where like, uh, where Bison is talking to Chun-Li and is like the worst day, the day your father died is the worst day of your life. And for me, it was Tuesday or whatever. How rephrases is that? Yeah. For me, it was, it was really, just a Tuesday. Yeah. He's yeah, really cool. He was so good. That RIP, man. I, I love that guy. But hey, so to this day, I still don't understand why they cast Jean-Claude Van Damme because Dolph Lundgren would have made a <laughs> way better guile, um, especially because he doesn't have that thick uh, uh, Brussels uh, Bruges um, <laughs> you know, accent. So would All-American hero guile as played by the French-speaking Belgium, Belgium kick fighter. Yeah, the muscles yeah. from uh, Brussels, yeah. The muscles from Brussels. I mean, Dolph Lundgren is an American, though, is he? Yeah, he's, but he from... Does, he's from Russia, but he doesn't have that thick of an accent. No, I guess he doesn't. No, he kind of he doesn't really talk much, honestly, thinking about it. But um, okay, Gal yeah, doesn't talk well, much in the game, so or is that well? It? The only other one that he was in the editorial department for uh, was Hellhole, which I don't know what that is, but it sounded cool. Cool. So I just put it in the notes. Nice. All right. Next up are the other writers, because as we mentioned, the director was also one of the co-writers. The other writers are Joseph H. Earl and then story credits from Dennis Patterson and Lawrence Applebaum, who I think were both producers in this. Um, So for those guys, uh, Joseph H. Earl, the only other thing he had was production manager on Scarecrows. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he's quick and easy. Uh, Dennis Patterson, he was in the music department on... Uh, Capote, Skinwalkers, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and then he's in Sound Department on The Unnameable, which is a movie I think only I have ever watched, uh, Brain Dead, Slumber Party Massacre 3, Sorority House Massacre 2, The Lawnmower Man, <laughs> Warlock 2, The Armageddon, and then also Street Sharks, Sonic the Hedgehog, Double Dragon, and Click. So this, so, is, this is the dude. This is the one. <laughs> this is the guy. This is him. Mostly music and sound, somehow also story credit here. So there you Great. go. Um, and then the last guy, uh, Lawrence Applebaum, uh, he was a producer on uh, Penitentiary 2. That's not a 
that's I'm not mispronouncing that. That's what they said is penitentiary too. Um, then Thunder Run, which was another one that was edited by Lee Harry, the director. And then a bunch of ones that look kind of like pseudo. It's like those movies that you can't tell if it's like softcore pornography or if it's like a 90s like mm. sex thriller. It was like Trist was one of them. And then the other ones had like way more sexy titles. So I'm like, sure, they had to be almost porn. For sure. So, yeah. So there you go. Those are our other writers. Um, quick and easy. A lot of these people will be very quick and easy. So, but here's a surprising one. And I meant to do more research on this and I didn't. So um, sorry about that. Uh, the music naughty. was by <laughs> naughty. <laughs> uh, the music was by Michael Armstrong and he had nothing else in his IMDb, which is surprising. Cause I thought the music in this was pretty strong in my opinion anyway. So I'm very surprised that he didn't have anything else. Did you do any extra research on him or did it, was I just being lazy? No, I, I don't. I have no idea who this guy is. Yeah. So if yeah. you, if anyone out there knows Michael Armstrong, Get this is Michael Armstrong, not a r- different one. Cause I'm pretty sure that I went to high school with somebody named Mike Armstrong, Mike Armstrong, right one. in. Yeah. Right in. Tell me why it is that, uh, you are only wrote, uh, the, the soundtrack for this thing is definitely written before you were born and nothing else. <laughs> uh, Next up, so here's a new thing I decided to do because okay. we've been bringing up special effects a lot, but I yep. never really talk about the special the special effects people. Yep. Unless it's like you know a rock star like Tom Savini or something like hey. that. So so I figured I'd bring up the special effects people in this one, um, just to just I think we should do that. That's if we're going to make it. that a category, no, we should for probably sure. Bring them up. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, for this one, there are two. It's uh, Tassilo Bohr Bauer Bauer. B A U R from Tassilo Bar Pittsburgh. It'd be Bar Bar Ta- You know, it's a Tassilo Bar Tassilo Bar Tassilo Bar first down, uh, <laughs> first down. And then uh, uh, the other one is Bruce uh, Scavalli. So a lot of uh, a lot of intersections here. I'll start out with a uh, Tassilo Bar. So he has some heavy hitters on his special effects list. Yeah. Now, granted, um, he isn't always the supervisor. A lot of times he's just a uh, special effects department, but that doesn't matter when you're in big hits like A Nightmare on Elm Street, House, the one about the, the Vietnam vet guy who loses his son to his haunted house. You sure it's not uh, the the uh, the, hit the television doctor? show where the, there's no. a doctor with a heart of gold? <sighs> <laughs> no, and he doesn't have a heart of gold. He's really mean. He's very <laughs> what are you mean. talking about? his heart is more like made out of like i don't know opium <laughs> well i mean isn't that part of it is he is yes. a drug addicted person okay yeah okay keep it light and breezy let's talk about drug addiction anyways also uh witch board the kindred the invisible kid killer clowns from outer space i, I think i've heard of that one have you heard of that one Shane? show favorite <laughs> uh deep star six witch trap uh house four so he was in the first house or was there, not in it, but he did the special effects for the first house, took a hiatus for house two, the second story, and then whatever house three was, and then came back for house four. You're probably like, you know what? Uh, you know what we're missing? Some bar. <laughs> we need some bar in here. So I um, saw the hit. Yeah. Uh, special effects for The Secret World of Alex Mack, which was a yeah. Nickelodeon television program that I enjoyed quite a bit when I was a kid. Yeah, that's a good show. Uh, and then The Lord Protector, which I don't know what that is, but it, I guess it must be about. <laughs> what's his name um oh man what what is it? the the lord protector uh 
Oliver Cromwell from the UK oh after the Civil, after the Civil War. <laughs> it's got to be about him, right? Wouldn't it be funny if it this, actually was about him? This literally looks like they copied the font from Lord of the Rings. But really? So what is it? Just like a Lord of the Rings ripoff? Then it's not a no, I don't life know. story of Oliver Cromwell. I mean, <laughs> it kind of. It's kind of a Lord of the Rings. I don't know. I, I'm gonna add this to my list. Maybe the maybe Oliver Cromwell was the Lord of the Rings. Uh, but anyways, uh, that's it for a uh, Tesla Bar. A lot of big hits, and he was special effects doing. Uh, next up is that was in a sentence, you know, what I just said. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was special effects doing. But pay attention to some of those uh, titles because some of them are going to come up later. Spoiler alert. And then Bruce uh, Scavalli, he was on the special effects department for Witchboard, The Kindred, The Invisible Kid, The Lord Protector. Ah, see, we are back at it. Mm-hmm. But then he's also the uh, producer on like 122 other items. And some of them were like so obscure they didn't even have like pictures on their IMDb page for what they were. So I don't know what they are other than that there's 122 of them. Some of them don't have pictures. Well, what's even strange, more strange, they're all within like two years. But everything that he did, like all those uncredited. Oh, those like, yeah, those weird things he was producer on. Yeah, it's like within two years. And then he like just disappeared and then just showed up again out of nowhere. Mm, Maybe he had to serve time for the crime he committed that he used those things as a tax shelter for. (laughs) That's why they all showed up in a year. Probably. So you cover up his spending. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Please don't sue us. We're small time, small potatoes here. Um. But anyways, that's enough with that. Let's get to the cast now. Starting lineup, we got ourselves Ricky Caldwell, as played by Eric Freeman. And there's actually some debate about whether or not his surname is Caldwell. I mean, I know he was adopted by the Rosenbergs in this movie, as we'll find out. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's another last name that they gave for him on like his uh, Wikipedia page, and it was just a different last name. And I have no idea why. <laughs> like, for, like, Ricky just had a different last name and for some reason. Can, um, can we just take a minute to appreciate how much this guy looks like uh, Harry Connick Jr. And I could not get that out of my brain watching this movie. <laughs> it's like the Harry Connick Jr. backstory. What, this is how he showed up? Yeah, just started murking people. <laughs> That's how you make it in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Isn't he like older than him, though? No, no, I guess they're probably around the same. That's kind of weird. He does look like him, though, right? I mean, I think he does. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. I, I've I've kind of have trouble seeing people as looking similar for some reason. Uh, I usually think people look pretty distinct. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh yeah, I was gonna go through the things that uh that Eric Freeman was in. Not a lot. He was in uh Back to School, Young Rebels, Ghost Writer, but not that one. I put that in my notes. Not that one. <laughs> yeah, that's solid. <laughs> uh, one episode <laughs> of Superboy. Uh, two episodes of In Living Color. So you go. Uh, he had a short role in A Husband for Christmas, which I am assuming is one of those Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, but then he was like, I think he like directed or like wrote or something. Uh, and his final thing that is Ricky Today, the Caldwell interview in 2018, which is a uh, sequel about what Ricky's up to in the future after this movie. That's weird. Yeah. And it's not the first time this has happened where someone's written a version of like their character they played like in the future. And it's not the first time that that character may or may not have passed away, but they still made a sequel. 
for later. So love to see that. No idea what it's on. I think it's only like 20 minutes long. So there you go. Um, but there's another person that I added for Ricky too. It's teenage Ricky. And I only did it because I liked what this guy's credits were. Mm-hmm. Uh, teenage Ricky was played by Daryl, uh, uh, Gibo or Gilbo. I don't know how much of the French they lean into on that pronunciation. So he was in street soldiers. So, you know, reuniting with like, uh, the director and a couple of the, was it a couple of special effects guys or just mm-hmm. the director? Um, but anyways, uh, he was also in wind talkers. And then we start to get into some stuff and you tell me if you notice a through line in these things. Cause I arranged all of these in a way that you'll catch the, the, uh, I, I know where through line going. here. Okay. Let's go. Ghost in the shell standalone complex, I knew romancing it. saga, gun X sword, Zoid's Genesis, Dawn of mana, bleach, warriors, Rochi and warriors, Rochi Two, dynasty warriors, six dynasty warriors, seven code Gase. Star Ocean, Last Hope, Samurai Warriors 3, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Blue Exorcist, Gon Zero, Shenmue 3. Keep going. Do you, I'm No, I'm, I'm good. I just wanted to give you an idea. I'm not going to list everything on... He had so many credits. Yeah. Do you know the through line? Um, hmm, let me think. Do I know the through line? Let's see. He likes Koei Tecmo. <laughs> he likes Sega. Uh, all right you're taking I'm too lost. long with yeah, the, we already now. have we already have we're already recording so late at night but anyways <laughs> the through line is it's either anime or manga or an anime or um video so. games that are usually like based off of manga or base or japanese in origin which need localization in the united states so he's just doing a lot of like voice acting for like a lot of like uh, anime and, and Japanese video games, which I think is amazing. So I'm going to nerd out for like one second. So I love the, yeah, go for the Dynasty Warriors series, and a lot of people hate those games. I love them. So they're Musou games. So it's basically like you just mash a button and kill like thousands of enemies. It's like ridiculous. It's, you know, um, but it's based... Yeah, I've played, I've played uh, Fire Emblem Three Hopes. I yeah, yeah, are. yeah. So that's like, that's <laughs> that studio, right? Um, what's funny is... Uh, like all these games are based off of like this is I I find this they're on like nine or ten now right all these games are based off the same story from like the Han Empire so like like these were all actual mythical or real people um, so these this company has made the same game like nine or ten times over it so I love it. Yeah, and then they just keep branching out with like Samurai Warriors, and then uh, Warriors Orochi is a spinoff of Dynasty Warriors as well, right? Uh, it's got both of them, and then they do like um, there was a Gundam one that was pretty wild. That's the coolest one, but you can't find it anywhere. Um, there was like a Troy, like like the movie Troy with like Brad Pitt. They had a version of like the Trojan War. Um, they have tons of them. They're like most animes have a version of that, like made by that studio. So if you're into those games, uh, you should look it up because I'm sure there's an anime that you like that is on there. So, Hey, man, they'd have a thing and they do it well. So why not? Yeah. Yep. That's what I always say. I've never said that, but I'll say it now. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to go through Teenage Ricky because I had a feeling you'd have a good time with his credits. Yeah, I loved it. Seeing all all of the different anime and then like Japanese video games that he just does localization for. Um. Well, he doesn't do he doesn't do the localization. Someone did the localization, and right. then he does the. He just the is good in. at reading and talking. Yeah, I'm sure voice acting is more than reading, sir. 
let the record show that that's my my esteemed uh, uh, my esteemed partner's opinion and not my own. It's a joke. I believe it is also acting. I'm just trying to make you into the heel, and I'll be the face. <laughs> hey, it worked for the Rock, so I guess I don't know. There you go. Um, all right. So next up is uh, Doctor Henry Bloom, as played by James Newman. Uh, not a lot of credits here. Uh, he had one episode each of The Profiler and The Pretender, which are just two shows I used to watch when I was a kid. And The Profiler, like looking back on it, I feel like it was probably a little too violent for a child like me to have been watching, but I got through it. Uh, he's in an episode of The X-Files. Uh, he was in Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Mm. Arguably the finest of the Legally Blonde series. Yeah, the most Legally uh, Blonde one. Uh, yeah, for sure. I've, I've never seen it, actually. So I'm going to stop telling jokes today. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen it, so I can't say if it is yeah. the most. Uh, so, uh, Flags of Our Fathers. Do you want to make a joke about I- Iwo Jima while we're at it? No. Okay, next <laughs> next up, or last up, too, is uh, Evan Almighty, the sequel to Bruce Almighty that most people didn't see. So I, That was actually a good movie. Was it really? Yeah, it was. Steve Carell is awesome. No, I like like I like the character of Evan in Bruce Almighty. I just I never saw Evan Almighty, so it's like uh, it's his whole redemption arc. It's great, where he's pretty much like Noah. So there's gonna be like a big. It's a whole thing. It's actually really good. All right, so go out and see Evan Almighty right now. Raves Shane, raves Shane. I'm just raving. Hey. <laughs> I like those kids under that bridge. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the the uh, cyber goths or yeah. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I have the internet. I know things. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, next up, that's it for Doctor Bloom for James Newman. Um, next up is Jennifer, the the love interest for like th- three minutes of this movie, uh, is played by Elizabeth uh, Kaitan. And let me tell you, she is in so many things. Um, we're gonna start out with uh, Zelig, which is a Woody Allen film, I believe, but she only has a small role in that. So let's go to bigger ones. Something we've seen before, which is Thunder Run. Um, mm. Next up is, uh, what is it? Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity, Necromancer, Assault of the Killer Bimbos, Friday the 13th, The New Blood, Twins with, Ar- with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, uh, Dr. Alien, uh, Rollerblade Warriors. Uh, she's in four or five of the Vice Academy films, which I they look like they're like some kind of like sexy ripoff of police Academy, but I can't confirm that. That's just what they look like. Uh, and then spy hard with Leslie Nielsen. And you might notice she has other things on her list of credits that I didn't name. And you might notice the reason I didn't name them is because I think they might be softcore porn, but I can't tell that no. those movies, that, those movies that really like run that line. They're like, one of them was like um, the exotic wax museum. I'm like, uh, like is it in the is like in the like Pacific Islands and that's what makes it exotic or is it something pornographic? So I didn't want to go into those. We'll find out on next episode. What when I have to watch all of those movies? I hope they're not available because they. Why would where would you even if I could stream? I'm just gonna. I'm not trying to get mad right now, but if I could uh, right dude, now go defi- out, it's definitely it's definitely not because it's on it, a tropical it, island. It, okay, well what I'm saying is if I could go out and stream like a late nineties softcore porn movie right now, but I can't stream tales from the crypt. I'm going to blow this planet up. That's ridiculous. Like we got to get our price. Society needs to get its priorities together. 
don't give me softcore pornographic movies from the late 90s. Give me a crazy uh, high-pitched voice puppet introducing segments where people go through horrible scenarios and have a twist ending where they get their comeuppance. Give me that. So, heard it here first. <laughs> heard it here first, folks. You can cut that entire tangent I just I'm went not, on. But I'm it's staying in. Constantly, I'm constantly upset about not being able to stream. We're going to fix uh, it. We'll make it right. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna i'm gonna one day run for president and that'll be my platform bring back bring back tales from the crypt it's like what do you think about economic policies like i think the crypt keeper will bring back jobs <laughs> bring manufacturing back to america through uh ironic comeuppance of uh shady characters that go through several events over the course of the episode <laughs> all right <laughs> next up Next up on the cast list, that's all I'm going to talk about for Elizabeth Kaiten, because like I said, some of those look like softcore porn. Um, next up is Mother Superior in this movie. So the actress between the last movie and this movie who play Mother Superior are different. So this one, she uh, her name's uh, Jean Miller. She was in Capital, which is a television program I've never heard of, but she was in it for 1,368 episodes. So someone get get flowers out and give them to her because I don't think we'll ever find anyone that's been in more episodes of a thing than 1,368 of them. So that has to be like a uh, soap opera, right? It's got to be something like that. Yeah, there's no way that it was like NCIS. Like, how could you have that many murders? Like, that's too many murders. Well, too many murders to solve. I'm sure there are more than that amount of murders. Um, then she was in uh, Escapes. So her last credit was Union Bridge in 2019, which I didn't look too much into this because, like I said, there's a lot of people to go through. We don't have time to go into every detail of everyone's life, but she was born in 1904. I was just going to bring this up. So, <laughs> Is she still alive? I She can't be. But I looked online and like on IMDb, it said that they didn't have a record of her death. I'm like, there must be, though. Like, there's no way that this lady is like. She'd be 120. Uh, 115 years or yeah oh yeah wait 119 years old right the bible's wrong <laughs> sorry she's going for the record but no like there's no way she's alive but like is there any way that when she was like 115 years old she was in a movie like there's no way like i'm i'm 36 sometimes my hip hurts and i just want to lay down like how can she be in a movie in a hundred and fifteen, I just don't. It doesn't make sense. So that I just googled. Right. I just googled like Gene Miller death, and there are so many Gene Millers that live around us. It's not even like I like. Uh, well, they, they can't all be dead though. No, I, well, it's all it, it's all uh, obituaries. That's why I typed. It's morbid, dude. Uh, she that can't be right. This has got to be a lie. This can't be real. What? Damn, dude, that's fucked up. What? What is it? Ah, this is. Okay, uh, so on October 31st, 1989, she died at her home in Trenton, Michigan of a homicide at the age of 85. Then how would she have a credit for Union Bridge in 2019? Ah, dude, I, I'm on, IMDb says she died October, IMDb, I'm on IMDb, unless it's the wrong Gene Miller. Yeah, it says here. Nope, April born, 13th, 1904. April 13th, 1904, it says died, details not available on mine. Yeah, then I googled what that meant, and then. It was she was murdered in her house apparently on Halloween of all nights, which is pretty wild. But how does she have a credit in 2019 for Union Bridge? Is she a ghost? That's not cool. I don't know, dude. I don't know. She's listed on the credit. Is there any like? Hold on. Is there any? 
There's not even any like trivia. Like, tell me why you have a long dead person listed in the credit. It's it's got to be that there's another Gene Miller, and like there's some kind of cross between like whether they're a SAG member or whether they're a uh, like whatever the British version of that is. And there's got to be some kind of cross pollination that it's not really her. So, all right, never mind. There's no way that a woman who's been dead for thirty years is going to be in Union Bridge. So forget that one. Removing that, we're going to move on from this entire uncomfortable subject, and we're going to move on to Chip. Oh, wait, he's an uncomfortable character. Chip, as played by Ken Weikert. Um, the only other credit I saw for him was in uh, Smothered by Mothers, which came out in, like, 2019. That sounds in the inter- Yeah, it sounds bad. I don't know if it's any good or not. But the reason is because uh, I think shortly after the release of this movie, he actually joined the military. And was a fitness trainer in the military for for most of the rest of his life until mm-hmm. until he was, I guess he was able to retire from the military and went back to acting with Smothered by Mothers. So there you go. That's Chip. I can't imagine it was the making of this movie that he's like, I'd rather just be in the military than be in movies like this. <laughs> so next up is Rocco, the lone shark, as played by Frank Novak. Now, he had some bangers, a lot of really cool TV shows, but I'm trying to keep it shorter. Yeah. So he was in Sleepwalkers, Carnosaur, The Unborn 2, Watchers 3, Independence Day, and that's, yes, that one. That one. Um, Raptor, Watchmen. Welcome to Earth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Watchmen, the one, uh, the not the TV show. The the, good um, one. Not the TV show. The uh, Snyder Cut. The Zack Snyder movie, yeah. Uh, He played Henry Kissinger in that, apparently. He did great in that. Um. And then he was also a voice actor in L.A. Noir. Ooh. Yeah, good game. All right. Next up. Oh, my God. We have so many people to get through. All right. Next up is Sister Mary, who replaces Sister Margaret from the first one, probably because they couldn't get the actress to come back. Uh, it's played by uh, Nadia, Win- Nadia Wind or Nadia Wind. I'm not sure. It's a W-I-N-D uh, for her last name. Uh, she's the director, producer, and writer of 2001's The, Be- the Beautiful Illusion. That's it. That's her only other credit. Moving on. Eddie. <laughs> One of the what you want to go into it? Like, no, 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 no. I just think it's funny. You're just like blasting through this now. Everyone says I go on too long. We gotta, and then we have so many people to go through. We're gonna go on forever. Um, next up is Eddie, as uh, played by uh, Randall Boffman. He was also in The Invisible Kid. Uh, he was in Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, uh, Superman, uh, The Wire, and Syriana. And that's it. And in The Wire, he played like the comptroller of Baltimore or something, which is. I guess it's probably a character people who know The Wire would recognize. I've never seen The Wire, so I wouldn't. Next up is Paula, who we never know her name is Paula, but she's the one who's with Eddie uh, in that scene. And I only yeah. bring her up because she has a pretty cool moment. So Joanne White, uh, she was in an episode of Hammer, House of Horror, uh, Shadow Glories, uh, Dark Fall, The Journal, Dark Fall 2, Lights Out, and The Lost Crown. The last three, I believe, are video games based on what I was seeing. Next up is the unnamed detective that's hanging out with Sister Mary. It's played by Ron Moriarty. He's only in this and then Molly and the Ghost. Never heard of that. And the only other person I want to bring up from this movie is The Orderly, as played by uh, Jay Aubrey Island. And I only want to do it because he has some moments where he yeah. is uh, so cool. So cool. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. even say anything, really. He doesn't say a word, and he just is, like, there. And honestly, Bloom should have listened to him. Henry Bloom should have listened to him. He had one of Listen- the weirdest moments where it's like, Hey, we, we need like a, we need someone that can be like menacing, you know, can like, you know, got, you know, kill you with a look, you know, and they, they did it. And then it's like, 
okay, now you got to wave your finger. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. It's like, we just <laughs> wave your finger back and forth. He's like, I don't know. Like, how weird was that when he just like waved his whole hand, like giving him sass? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Hey, I he, was, was he was being dramatic. He was having his moment. Yeah. It was a, I think it was a very funny moment in the movie. Like, I think it was too. interesting. So I just wanted to say his name. I don't, he's never been anything else. He's cool though. I liked him. Put him in more things. Um, and then now is the now is the section where do we want to go through the the uh, cast of uh, the first one or should I speed run it? I can speed run it, and I actually have one that I kind of want to say something about. So it's Linnea Quigley. No, we already talked about Linnea Quigley in the episode for uh, well, uh, Night of the Demons. Right, now I'm, I'm intrigued. Good, go. All right. First of all, we have the older <laughs> brother for Ricky, which is Billy, is played by uh, Robert Brian Wilson. He was in 14 episodes of Santa Barbara, The Wrong Roommate, and A Husband for Christmas. You might recognize that A Husband for Christmas is also a movie that had. Uh, that had Ricky in it. That ha- okay, I'm trying to be fast, but it also had Ricky in it. It had um, uh, uh, Eric Freeman. They both appeared in that movie together in a cameo that's meant to harken back to this, which is hey, hilarious. You, you remember when we were kids and they had that commercial? It's Bob Adam, baby. It's a boy. Yeah, I do. Yeah, the yeah. one. Yeah, the one about collect calls, which yeah, is a thing but, that I don't think they even exist anymore. Yeah. Hey, kids. Um, back in the day. Uh, you had to call collect when you wanted to call anyone that was like outside of, I don't know what your area code. Um, or if you no, you didn't have to, but if you didn't have like long distance coverage, you needed them to pick up the charge. Yeah. So you'd call collect. Yeah. Or if to, you're like at a, if you're like a pay phone and you didn't have any money, but you needed to get a hold of somebody, you'd call them collect and they'd have to pay for it. So while you're sitting there scrolling on TikTok, uh, we we've told you what a landline was and I hope you remember, um, it'll be on the quiz, but so the, the collect calls, because you couldn't call like anyone, you know, in the world, um, it costs money to make phone calls back then through long distance. So, uh, good yeah, because everyone knows that wireless is free. <laughs> yeah. But I mean like, but it, but like, but so yeah, like, no, the, yeah, it's yeah. like, it was like, like X, like 10 cents a minute, like for, for calls, like it's yeah, such a weird. So if you had like a friend metric. in Ohio, like I can just call them now back then you had to pay 10 cents a minute to talk to them. Back then, I just didn't have friends that weren't local. Like, if you want to be my friends. friend, you got better. Yeah, better be around. Yeah, better have an ICQ, or we're not talking. Um, so next up is Mother Superior, as played by Lillian Chauvin, and I wanted to bring her up because she was in a little film called Bloodlust. Yeah, which uh, fans of Hanging Out with Me in College will know is one of the episodes of Mystery Science Theater that we used to watch a lot. I thought you were gonna say fans of me. Uh... <laughs> fans of like it was just like a bloodlust is just a ripoff of the most dangerous game i think is what it is but yeah. there was a mystery science theater episode that we used to watch in college all the time we and did. now it's just streaming where you can just watch that anytime you want it's on like pluto tv it's on the mystery science theater app you can just find it now it's crazy like back then you had to get it on dvd to see it um uh, she's also in predator 2 universal soldier and then pumpkin head 2 blood wings she has so many other credits. Those are just the ones I picked because I like them. So if you're, uh, she was in X-Files, uh, but she was also Joey's grandmother in uh, Friends. So Yeah, I've never seen that show. Really? Um, I mean, I've seen a couple episodes, yeah, but I've never really watched it. Dude, it's pretty good. I'll add it to the list. Once I'm done watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine in memory of Andre Brower, maybe I'll go to it. Okay, well, it's um, it's Brooklyn Nine Nine is on a different level, and I'm not saying, oh my god, I don't want to open up that Twitter battle. Never mind. Yeah, don't do it. What are you doing? I love Friends, though. I've seen it a bunch. It's it's great. I, I enjoy having friends. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, next up is Sister Margaret, as played by Gilmer McCormick, real name apparently. Uh, Slaughterhouse Five, Godspell, and China Lake. That's it. We're moving on. Pamela, the love interest that uh, Billy has, uh, that never gets named in this movie because they don't explore the fact that they had a. Yeah. That it was the girl that he was having a crush on. They just make her one of his early victims. Played by Tony Nero. Uh, no Dead Heroes Commando Squad. That's all I got. Next up, Andy, the guy who's uh, making out with her, sort of, is played by Randy Stumpf. Uh, Are You in the House Alone? One episode of the OG Battlestar Galactica. And then Those Lips, Those Eyes. That's it. We're not we're not doing anymore. Moving on. <laughs> Mr. Sims is played by Britt Leach. Coming Attractions, Sci Factor. You may remember Sci Factor from earlier. If you don't, don't worry. Not, it doesn't seem like an important movie. Uh, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, which is a really creepy movie. Uh, the Last Starfighter, The Great Outdoors, very funny movie, Weird Science, also funny, and then an episode of Tales from the Crypt, which is fitting because I just was complaining about Tales from the Crypt earlier, <laughs> if Shane keeps that in the episode. I will. Next up, Mrs. Randall is played by Nancy Borgenicht. Uh, she's an Uncommon Valor, an episode of a show called Werewolf that I've never heard of, and then Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers. I just picked it because I like werewolves. Uh, Linnea Quigley is Denise. Um I mean, we've already gone through Linnea Quigley and Night of the Demons. If you want to hear more about her career, she's in everything. And I was actually just watching one of her movies. It was called Creepazoids. I was actually just watching that on Tubi uh, yesterday. It's a really good movie. Um, oh, we should do that. That's a good movie. Anyways, uh, next up is Tommy as played by Leo Geeter. Um, Tommy is Linnea Quigley's Denise's love interest, who also doesn't get a name in this right. because they're only doing clips. He's in Footloose, Near Dark, The Stand, the Mick Garris miniseries, The Stand, not the more recent miniseries. And then Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, Ricky and Billy's mom is played by Tara Buckman. And I figure I should bring her up because she appears so many times in at least like quick flashback scenes while we're, I guess, meant to show their trauma of their murdered mother. <laughs> um, she was in The Cannonball Run, an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Uh, something called Night Killer and something extra to the second encounter. I don't know what that is. I just wanted to have something else to say about her because uh, we see her being murdered so many times in this movie. Um, and then uh, the first murder Santa, which I just called OG murder Santa. Uh, I don't know if they have a name for him. Just criminal Santa uh, played by Charles Deercop. He actually has a ton of interesting stuff. A lot of cool TV stuff like Kung Fu, Batman 66, those kinds of things. But uh, I'm going to pick some heavy hitters. Butch casting the Sundance Kid, The Sting. Maverick, you know, movies. Yeah. Oh, there we go. That is all we're going to get out of the first Silent Night, Deadly Night, even though it's an entirely different movie. We basically just covered the heavy hitters in that cast. So you're yeah, welcome, I guess everybody. That, that really like, um, are we going to cover like, how do we, how we go about that in, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Are you wondering about how we're going to do McMurder in the, of the movie in case you think one of the McMurders of the movie is a murder from a different movie? Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to have to have a table talk about that when we get there. All right. But enough of this. Enough of what you just said. Next up is plot description.
punish. <laughs> Naughty. <laughs> now I'm trying to start to say it like uh, Bane from Batman. Yeah, Robin. yeah. It's like, like monkey <laughs> bomb. <laughs> yeah. It's like punish. Punish. Naughty. All right. Batman and Robin. Let's talk about that instead of this. In the spirit of the holiday, we will start with opening credits with a black background and red letters, as opposed to a black background with white letters, which is usually what we get in these movies. Uh, Threw me off. I know. I was just like, what is this? Is my my TV broken? Uh, The name of the production company is Silent Night Releasing Corporation, which I feel like must only be for this. Right. I mean, how many other movies can they possibly have? Um, although this is a kind of a long running series. I think there are like five of them somehow. And then the surprisingly sh- uh, somber piano music playing. I actually enjoyed that with some synth tones uh, overlaying it. So it was a g- good start. Uh, we open to a slippered foot tapping on the ground as we pan up to a man's cigarette. It's our villain, Ricky. Uh, the camera cuts uh, so that he's staring right at us. That's how you know he's scary. Uh, sudden door click when the orderly that I'd mentioned before is walking in. Uh, and he has like old timey recording equipment, you know, with like big tapes and huge plastic buttons and yeah, you know, the way that people used to record back in the day on tape, uh, the orderly, uh, but he's regarding Ricky with concern as he sets up the equipment. Uh, he goes to like, and this is my, the part I liked is where he goes to plug it in and he like, gets right down by the outlet and keeps staring at Ricky. And when he goes to look to plug it in, Ricky like flips his lighter and the order like stands and like like jumps about it, but Ricky Ricky's just messing with him. Oh, by the way, because the uh, brothers are named Ricky in this one, and the Billy was in the first one, I may mix them up because for some reason Ricky and Billy seem like very like interchangeable names in my head. So if that happens, uh, let me know. So okay. yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm just letting you know. Uh, all right. Uh, so anyways, another uh, set of feet enter uh, as the order orderly opens the door. And we see dress shoes and uh, slacks. So, you know, this person uh, is a person of means. Um, they go and set up a microphone and get the tape rolling. And it is Dr. Bloom, the, uh, you know, the Will whatever to our Hannibal. You know, Will, what's the name of the guy from Hannibal? It's Will, Will something. Will right? Wheaton. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's that uh, it's the it's the psychi the psychiatrist to the serial killer kind of thing. Um, the doctor introduces himself, and this is a very uh, standoffish situation. The doctor's like, "Ricky, you can call me Henry, or you can call me Doc." Uh, and then Henry says, "Fuck off!" And it's like, "Oh, you can really tell he's really scary because he said those he said the f word to him." So uh, the doctor is trying to explain to Ricky that he's uh, Ricky's only chance now. Ricky yells and then slams the table, which prompts the orderly to come back in and see what's up. Uh, cause Dr. Bloom had sent the orderly away. Uh, Dr. Bloom yells at the orderly and tells him to stay out. Spoiler alert. Uh, he's going to regret that. Uh, cause he's going to get killed. Shane, he's going to get killed by Ricky. Is he? <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, uh, after the orderly leaves, uh, Bloom explains that he's going to question Ricky and Ricky is going to answer him. Uh, and risk, uh, Ricky should understand that cause he's seen several psychiatrists before. I think they say an exact number, but I don't remember the number. 13. Um, That's his lucky number. Yes, it is 13 because it's his lucky number. You're absolutely right. Man, I can't believe I didn't put that in my notes. What a fool. What, what a fool. fool at notes. Fool of it took. Um, but anyways, <laughs> oh uh, su- sudden 
uh, sudden text at the bottom date <laughs> December 24. Shane, that's Christmas Eve. I know. That's Christmas Eve. This kid has, this dude has like uh, issues with Santa. But don't worry, we'll find out why. Dr. Blooms uh, starts out strong asking Ricky who killed his parents. And Ricky responds that it was Santa Claus. And we get the first of uh, many flashbacks. In fact, uh, the first one third of the movie, roughly, is just flashbacks to the other movie. <laughs> and it's just Ricky doing a voiceover of the events. Uh, Ricky explains that he was just a baby, but his older brother, Billy, remembered uh, and knew all about Santa Claus. And apparently had told uh, Ricky everything in such detail that he was similarly traumatized <laughs> by Santa Claus because he is definitely a baby. Yeah, the little version of Billy uh, is riding in a car with his parents to visit. I believe they're going to visit their grandpa. Um, uh, and he's concerned because he's worried that they will arrive after Santa's after Santa has come if they get there too late. Uh, and I noticed that uh, their mother is just holding the baby in her lap in the front seat of the car. Like, man, times before car seats were required were crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, the mother explains that Santa won't come until everyone's asleep. So you're, you're solid, kid. Don't worry about it. Stop complaining. Uh, Billy and Ricky's mom uh, also tells Billy that he has to go to sleep and can't wait up to see Santa. Uh, but then she also says that Santa's going to give him a big surprise. And I'm sure that there's a surprise she had in mind and it wasn't dead parents. But that's actually going to be the surprise Santa gives. <laughs> um, so as the night falls, uh, the family comes upon a broken down red car uh, with a man dressed as Santa uh, standing next to it. Uh, so uh, Billy's parents wake him up. And this is the part where ricky explains in the narration because ricky's just narrating basically this entire thing uh and he explains that billy billy or he's like uh billy told me everything he's like why would he tell you this traumatic thing uh ricky's dad asks uh, if santa needs a ride and he says no not exactly and pulls out a gun uh ricky's dad starts to back up like as slowly as possible giving santa plenty of time to murk him so uh their dad's dead uh the car goes off the road uh billy just Pulls the ripcord and his bails. He runs into the woods. He doesn't care anymore. And granted, he's a kid. So what is he going to do? He's like, I think five at this point. Right. Um, yeah, because and then Ricky, you know, obviously baby aged. So uh, so, yeah, Santa pulls their mom out. Uh, baby Ricky is crying like babies do. Uh, it's a lengthy scene of Santa, like trying to tear off the mom's blouse. The first of many scenes of uncomfortable uh, sexual violence in this movie. <laughs> It happened way too often. Um, but you get the idea that his goal is to try to assault the mother, uh, but she hits him in the face, uh, at which point he pulls out a switchblade and cuts her throat. Uh, and then he stands up and starts yelling for, for Billy because he can't see him in the woods. And I guess he eventually gives up because both Billy and Ricky survive. Um, but then we get back to the present. Um, Ricky is talking to Dr. Bloom. And he's like convinced that that is the real Santa Claus that killed his mother. Uh, and then Bloom's like, how could you remember this? And then he said, because I was there. It's like, that goes directly in conflict with, with the last thing you said, which was that your brother told you. But that's fine. Ricky is clearly insane. Um, yeah. Dr. Bloom uh, checks his watch and Ricky asks him if he's in a hurry. Uh, Bloom ignores it and then asks Ricky about his time at St. Mary's Orphanage. So we get another another lengthy uh lengthy flashback sequence um so he's like hey, that didn't do billy much good and they show like billy drawing a picture at christmas and the nun 
says he needs to hang it up with the other kids drawings on the chalkboard but of course it's a picture of a stab santa and a decapitated reindeer yeah it's drawn very artist. well for yeah. yeah for like a little kid he's doing great yeah but of course they're catholics they can't allow art um so no so he's he's uh sent to the mother superior who chastises billy and sends him to his room to just be there forever i guess i don't know um because eventually sister margaret the the nun teacher from earlier is trying to explain to mother superior that the picture is proof that Billy is still haunted by the death of his parents because of course, of course he is. He witnessed his parents being murdered and he's not going to take the Batman route. Let me tell you. Uh, but mother superior doesn't believe that it is possible. Even though again, Billy was a five-year-old talking self-aware individual when his parents were killed. I don't know why the mother superior doesn't think it's possible. Yeah. And like uh, the irony of her not giving a shit about him having problems with Santa for the rest of the, that movie, or it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Cause let me tell you, she hates Santa too. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. My mother superior is very dismissive of sister Margaret's concerns. Thinks Billy's just trying to run wild. I think is what she says. Yeah. 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 Clearly his picture of a decapitated rain beer is his attempt to run wild. Uh, Sister Margaret uh, goes to Billy's room in order to let him come out and play with the other kids, despite the mother superior being like, no, he's got to be confined to quarters or whatever. Uh, So Billy, you know, gets his uh, coat and hat. But of course, on the way out, he hears some, uh, I guess, moaning, how you describe it, coming from a door. Long shot of him walking down the hallway to find out what's going on. And he eventually comes to a door, looks through a keyhole, because, of course, it has a perfect little skeleton keyhole that he can see through. There's like two naked people going to town. I don't know who they are. I don't know if they're like people who work there or if they're like older, like residents. I think they, like you get kicked out of an orphanage when you're 18. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Billy, um, you know, he has flashbacks to his mother's murder, but then sudden mother superior shows up behind him and she like opens the door, takes off her belt and just starts beating them. And we never see what happens. Just hear the sounds of them getting beaten. So that's why I was like, is it staff? Because you can't just go around hitting your staff. But also, it doesn't make sense for there to be, like, adult residents of a orphanage. So so this movie does this a lot where they're, like, um, teenagers being portrayed by people that are obviously in their 40s. So I think this is one of those scenes. Or 30s, maybe. So. I mean, this movie does it. All, all horror movies in the 80s do that. Yeah, but this one seemed pretty, like, even, like, I don't know, like... I, maybe it was just this first one. It just seemed really like egregious, right? Um, like the bullies, the one bully looked like he was at least thirty-eight. So I don't know. Oh yeah, the bullies later on when they yeah. had snow. Oh for sure. Yeah. So Mother Superior is beating the hell out of them, uh, and then um, what is it? Billy goes outside. To, I guess he just goes out to play. He doesn't even. Like, wait for Mother Superior to finish her, like, beating session. But Mother Superior comes outside and is going to, like, like chastise Billy about it. Like, explain to him that what they were doing was very naughty. They must be punished. Uh, no one can escape punishment. All things that are going to factor into his later uh, psychotic rage. Uh, and then uh, Mother Superior takes Billy and then spanks him. And throughout that, by the way, Sister Margaret was being like, yo, no, I, I let him out. You know, I told him that he could come out of his room, but like, I guess Mother Superior doesn't care. He has to be blamed for the chain of command thing, the breaking of the chain of command. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of an interesting scene because between the cuts of 
him getting hit by the mother superior, we cut to Ricky saying he was naughty. Like it's like he slap was slap naughty. It's like, right. okay, yeah, 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 we get it. Um, we get some more of the shrink talk with Dr. Bloom and Ricky <clears throat> where uh, Ricky asks if he felt sorry for his brother. Uh, and then uh, Ricky says he feels sorry for Bloom because he's a shrink. He's shrink 13. Oh, that's when they said it's his lucky number. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. That's why I didn't have it in my notes there because it came up later. Um, and then what Bloom asks if Ricky dreams and Ricky's like, I don't sleep. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So uh, more flashbacks. Uh, Billy has a bad dream about the murder of his parents and screams. But punishment guru Mother Superior finds him and ties him to the bed because that makes sense. Like, don't people get arrested for this? Like, I don't know. Maybe child abuse wasn't as serious back in the 80s. They just let you do whatever you want. Um, so, uh, you know, Billy in the past is crying and asking for uh, Sister Margaret, who does not come. I'm assuming that in the movie there's more of a plot point attached to that. So next out, though, is at the orphanage. Uh, Billy is being dragged out to see Santa. And I thought this was ridiculous because Mother Superior hates Santa. Like, why would they force a kid to see him? <laughs> but what Billy just like hauls off and does like a tiger uppercut, right? Like he just yeah, blasts him. Yeah, he just blasts Santa in the face. <laughs> He's not having it. Um, you know, cut the the present. Like Ricky's pacing uh, while Bloom is putting on a new tape. So I guess that that entire thing took an entire tape. I don't have a lot of a frame of reference for how much a single tape would be, but it feels like it should be longer than that. Uh, the next cut, though, is Ricky explaining that Mother Superior got Billy a job at a local toy store for some reason. That doesn't seem like something Mother Superior would do. Uh, he's working for Mr. Sims and Mrs. Randall at Ira's Toys, and he's a stock boy. So here's the thing about this movie's cut of it. It seems like they hired him to be a, a Santa, but they didn't. They hired him to be a stock boy in the original movie, but the Santa they hired got sick. So they have him be Santa. This movie makes it look like they literally hired him to be Santa. It's like, yes, yeah. yeah, so let's hire the let's, mother superior. Set up the kid who has a uh, severe Santa trauma to work as a Santa. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to say something. No, I, I just, I just found it so funny how they edit and cut all this. Like, you know, yeah, they, they could like cut out a lot of like the plot of the other one. Just keep it to like all the like, big events, mostly murders. Um, yeah. So, uh, so the, we cut to a scene of, uh, Billy as, um, Santa There's a little girl, uh, fussing on his lap. And he says that he doesn't bring, uh, presents to kids who are naughty. He punches them severely and the little girl gets terrified. And it like shows the mother of that little girl. And it's like, he really knows how to handle kids. He's so good with kids. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. But uh, then we cut to a uh, Christmas party at the store, and it's just like the, what, five employees of the store. We got like, you know, Mr. Sims, uh, Mrs. Randall, you got Billy, you got uh, Andy, and then you got um, Pamela. So it's just Mm -hmm. the five of them. And then they're singing, uh, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. It's like, do it. If you have a five person Christmas party, do you really do a sing along to like, We Wish You a Merry Christmas? That seems uh wild to me i'm assuming it must be because it's like public domain or something um yeah but uh a drunk mr sims tells billy that he has a busy night ahead of him asking him if he remembers what santa does on christmas eve and billy says he knows but i put in parentheses murder people because he says it in a sinister way yeah and then the song that they start singing next like this 
homemade like it was like you know what i'm talking about yeah what was that song i don't that know that was not a that was not a real song, right? It, like I've it, never heard that song. It sounded like you know when uh, those improv people they're trying to sing a song, and the other one kind of like the other person that they're in the skit with will like kind of finish the end of the sentence. That's like how I felt. Like they were, they were like making up that song on the spot. It was so weird. Yeah, it was. It was definitely not a real Christmas song. No, I know every Christmas song in the world. That wasn't one of them. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Next up. Uh, Billy notices that Pamela, uh, you know, as I, I'd mentioned earlier, the girl that he had a crush on in the earlier movie that we don't get any of that context here. Uh, and then a guy who we know is Andy, uh, will, like slip off to the back room, which is wild to try to slip off like, like to get busy when you're at a party of five people and you're two of them. Like that's, they're going to notice they're going to, they're going to know you're gone. You're 40% of the people here. Um, so, yeah, but, uh, you know, Billy leaves Sims and Randall singing. That's what I put singing some song that I don't recognize. Uh, he leaves them singing that song and follows uh, Pamela and Andy. Uh, whenever, whenever Billy gets back there, Pamela is asking Andy to stop whatever it is he's doing. Um, she's like yelling at him to like you know, ease up. And then he like rips her, her shirt open because, of course, we have to have another uh, attempted assault scene. Um, but then, you know, Pamela gives Andy a slap. Um, this gives Billy flashbacks. Like I said, there's so many flashbacks between Billy and Ricky to the murder of their mother. So he yells naughty and then attacks yeah. Andy by hanging him with Christmas lights by one arm. Like he uses one arm, wraps the Christmas lights around, uh, Andy's throats and this picks him up with one arm and kills him. That is a feat of Herculean strength to pick up an entire human man with one arm like that. Yeah, but punish. He had to punish. Yeah, he had the power of punishment on his side. That's why they call him the Punisher. Oh, wait, that's a different thing. It's a different thing. It's a different guy. So, um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, Billy turns to Pamela, uh, who calls him a bastard and calls him crazy and starts attacking him. It's like, wasn't the other guy just like, you know, hurting you like what are you doing uh but he says uh punishment is good and then kills her um we it's hard to see what he stabs her with uh but it's a box cutter if you know the last the other movie you know that it's a box cutter that he used but you can't really see it in that scene then mr sims you know having heard the commotion he goes to the back room to investigate uh and he gets hit in the head with uh what we later learn is a hammer because it's sticking out of his head later mm-hmm uh, Mrs. Randall is yelling for Mr. Sims, but the lights go out and she thinks it's on purpose because of the lights. Cause she says, Oh, it's lovely. It's like, it's not on purpose. You're going to be murdered. Uh, so she wanders to the back. Uh, she sees Mr. Sims with the hammer in his head and she screams and tries to flee. Um, you know, but like when she gets to the front of the store in true horror movie fashion, the doors are locked and there's no way for her to open them from the inside. Cause of course, why would there be? Yeah, uh, she yeah. <laughs> she goes to the phone uh, and calls the operator instead of nine one one. Billy, uh, we see him pick up the famous two sided Silent Night Deadly Night axe. It's like the fire axe that they use throughout this. Even though fire axes aren't two sided, those are distinctly lumberjack axes, right? I thought fire mm-hmm. axes only had one one. Well, blade. they have the claw on the other side. Yeah, for for yeah for breaking into things. Yep. So, yeah, they, they they do not have double-bladed axes like this, but we're not going to let a little thing like reality get in the way of a good thematic device. 
Um, yeah, so Billy uh, swings the axe down and hits the phone line with it and then starts stalking uh, Mrs. Randall with it. Um, but he totally biffs it. She had like set up a stack of stuff and he swings his axe into it and she pushes like a pile of boxes onto him and then she gets the axe. So it's like, man, he, my dude gets the axe, the famous axe, and then just instantly loses it. Uh, so she takes the axe and goes to hit the door with it. Uh, but of course, Billy uses his feelings. A, no, a bow and arrow. Oh, oh. he cat he catniss Everdeen's her. Yeah, he she gets arrowed. Um, it was actually kind of funny because it's like the first kill that he gets after he gets the famous axe. It's a bow and arrow kill. Hawkeye over here. Uh, so yeah, back to Ricky uh, with uh, Doctor Bloom. He says that it wasn't his brother's fault. Um, and then when Bloom's like, uh, in what regard exactly, sir? Uh, he says it's Mother Superior's fault. Um, and then uh, Bloom asks if Billy was naughty. And uh, Ricky's like, no, he's punishing the naughty ones. And it's just like this whole back and forth, but like less interesting, uh, where he's like, how can you know that they're naughty or whatever? Uh, and then we cut to uh, topless Linnea Quigley making out with uh, Tommy, her boy, the boyfriend in this movie. Um, her character is like Denise, I think is what it was. Um, but then she stops Tommy cause she hears the jingle of, uh, her cat's collar at the door. She needs to go let that cat out or let it in rather. Uh, but when she opens the door and lets the cat in surprise, Billy's there. Uh, she shuts the door. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, he has an entire ax. So he manages to break the door down. Uh, he throws the ax at her overhead, even though he, he could just walk up to her. She's not armed. Uh, he misses, of course, because he's the worst at axes. Uh, but when she tries to run, uh, he grabs her and then does the thing that the the original Silent Night, Deadly Night is probably most famous for and impales her on deer, the, the antlers of a deer that's mounted on the wall. So like, who opens her door like that? Like topless? Yeah, just like straight up, just like, oh, I'm just going to let this cat in. Yeah, topless in winter, full door open. Yeah, yeah. that seems kind of wild, but... It is also a movie about a guy who goes crazy because he thinks Santa Claus killed his <laughs> killed his parents. Right. So. And also, you know, I'm not going to let a little logic get in the way of a cool scene where like some topless ladies impaled on deer antlers. <laughs> so, Because that's the most famous scene in this in the first movie. It's actually been parodied a number of times um, and referenced in other movies, too. Probably the one of the parodies that I saw was like, I think it was on Joe Bob Briggs, like the last drive in. They did a they did a parody of it on there. So, uh, but anyways, uh, Tommy, the boyfriend, is downstairs shooting some pool. But um, you know, he goes to investigate because Denise has been gone for a while, and he walks up and apparently has no peripheral vision because literally Denise is impaled right next to him, and he's like, "If this is some kind of joke, I'm gonna kill her." He's like, "Hey, surprise, Tommy! She's already dead." Yeah, way to way go to be insensitive dude yeah <laughs> geez cancel this guy yeah. well don't worry billy's gonna cancel uh so he's accosted by billy um uh but billy makes the rookie move of throwing him towards the fireplace where tommy is able to grab a fire poker and seems to knock billy out with it then tommy goes to the phone and he also calls the operator and the operator's like uh call 911 if you have an emergency it's like, wait, so like, why are these people calling the operator and not 911 first? Like, those are precious moments you could have had. Yeah, but it was just funny. Even the operator's like, the fuck? The, the, the operator's like, if this is a joke, 
you know, like this better not be a joke kid or whatever. Uh, because then after that, you know, Billy attacks him because Billy is not knocked out. Right. Uh, and he starts to strangle him with the phone line. And after further struggle, uh, Billy throws him out the window. <laughs> so another person not killed with axe Shane in this movie yep. with a famous image of a Santa Claus with an axe second or third murder, still not an axe. Well, not third murder, third murder since he's gotten the axe fifth murder over overall. So jot that down. Keep your kill counts straight. I will. Uh, <laughs> uh, back to the interview. Bloom uh, says that the other ones were innocent. And Ricky says, no, no, no. Uh, the cops just didn't understand. And I don't know why he said that there, except that they cut to a cop, like cops in the car being like, we have to hunt down Santa on Christmas Eve. And then they see a Santa Claus like climbing in the window of a house and they like go in guns, guns drawn. But then when they like turn on the the light in the little girl's room, the girl's like, daddy. And they're like, daddy. It's like, yeah, dude, you can't just go pulling your gun on everyone dressed like Santa Claus. Uh, spoiler alert. They will continue yeah, they to will. do that. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, Ricky narrates that Billy was far away and he knew all the roads and shortcuts. So the cops could stop every Santa they saw and they'd never find him. It's like, we don't need a narration to explain that. We see him walking through the woods. Like sometimes, you know, show don't tell. Um, and then we cut to some, uh, teenage boys that are deciding to sled ride on Christmas Eve instead of, I don't know, being at home with your family. Uh, but they're of course accosted by two bullies who are named Bob and Mac. And I only know that cause they say their names. But I did not look at who they were or put their credits down because I just don't care about them, Shane. So uh, the bullies, after beating up the first two boys, uh, decide to take over the sled trip. It's like, I thought that they beat them up because they thought they were nerds for sledding. But no, no, no. They beat them up because they wanted to steal their sleds and go sled riding instead. Um, That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, bullies got a bull, you know. It's that nice version Uh, of snow. (laughs) But it wasn't, though. There was a path there probably because they had to shoot the scene so many times to get the perfect sled uh but anyways the first bully goes down uh he's fine he doesn't get murdered by anybody so the second one decides to go down but what happens shane the coolest scene probably i mean the the first time went down i'm like i think this guy's gonna get fucking baseball bat head cut off and it doesn't it doesn't the first one doesn't i'm like ah maybe not um then the second one delivers well we finally get use of that axe yeah. Finally. But yeah, so like uh, B- uh, Billy jumps out, just cuts off his head. Uh, and then the other kid is waiting for him and sees him coming down and sees his headless corpse on the sled coming down. It's like, nah, yes, chef's chef's kiss. Um, and then Ricky says, uh, Billy hated bullies. It's like, I don't think we need to narrate everything. <laughs> like we get he hated bullies. He killed him. Um, well, didn't you say punish he, as he was cutting the kid's head off? Like he was like, punish. He says punish all the time. If it's either I, punish or naughty. Like, I feel like I feel like that's just editing though. Like in the I cuz I I don't remember the first one does he say punish like constantly or is there other dialogue and they just edit it like that way. I don't know. That's why I wanted to try to watch the first yeah. one to see how much of it they changed or like, you know, what they changed about it because they could easily just uh dub in extra you know, dialogue, any of those scenes where you don't see someone's face speaking, but can't stream it anywhere. Cause we get it all here. Um, so yeah, uh, that's when, you know, Ricky says, Oh, Billy was starting to leave a bloody trail. 
And then we cut to a cop, like explained to sister Margaret, they found three more bodies. And I was like, have they? I was like, oh yeah, I guess they did. Denise, the bully. Oh wait, no. Who's the third? Is it Denise? Oh, Denise and Tommy, Denise and Tommy and the bully. So right. yeah, they did find three more bodies. Um, yeah. Sister Margaret tells the cop that he know that she knows where Billy's going to go. And then we cut to Ricky explaining, um, what sister Margaret knew the score, but mother superior called the shots. Like, yeah, man, we understand how it works, how like a, how like hierarchies work. Right. Um, but anyways, uh, bloom is says, Oh, it's obvious where, uh, Billy would go, which leads to like a very tense confrontation between bloom and Ricky where Ricky like tells him he can squash him like a bug and like blooms like you don't scare me. And it's like, that seems like a weird thing for like Ricky to get really like uh, defensive over is that it's obvious that where Billy would go is like, yeah, dude, that's literally why like sister Margaret was there to the, with the cops. Like it was obvious. Where was I? Oh yeah. We, uh, all of the, all of the kids are opening their presents on uh, uh, Christmas and they're all playing with them. And then the nuns decide to let them out to play outside for some reason. But then a man dressed as Santa is approaching them from the church. that's across the way from the orphanage. Oh no, Shane, could it be that it's Billy? Well, a cop that pulls up uh, is yelling at the Santa to stop. And uh, there's like a, a interesting cut here where it cuts between modern Ricky and kid Ricky where kid Ricky's reaching out at the Santa and then modern Ricky is saying Billy over and over again. Yeah. But then he jumps like modern Ricky jumps when the Santa is shot, which I thought was kind of cool. That was like a cool interplay. Even if, if you're going to do a clip show, you might as well make it good, you know? Right. Yep. Um, yeah. But then uh, the doctor, um, the, oh yeah, the doc, Dr. Bloom is talking to him and then the nun is talking to kid him. And then he turns and says, uh, it wasn't Billy. It was old man Kelsey, the janitor, and he was deaf, so he couldn't hear the cop like yelling bastard. commands. Yeah, deaf bastard. Uh, which unfortunately still happens sometimes uh, when deaf people uh, don't know that cops are yelling stuff at them and they tase them and stuff. So what is it? Uh, Mother Superior uh, and the cop are talking about how there's a murder on the loose, and Mother Superior is obviously mad at the cop for murdering their janitor. So the cop's like, hey, look, more cops are on the way. I'm going to go check the grounds on my own alone. I'm sure it'll be fine. Anyways, I'm not, not going to get murdered. I'm going to go off alone. So the cop leaves. Um, and he eventually goes down to some like basement or boiler room. It's like a really dark, dank. I, like, I love the scene. <laughs> why would he go down there? Well, why would he turn the corner? Like, it's like, it's like, all right, this guy's been practicing his quick draw and like corner turning and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, he's just going around every corner, like, huh. He's huh. got one move. Yeah, except except when he needs it. Yeah, except when then he doesn't he do gets, it. He gets down all those corners, and then he's like, oh, I guess no one's down here to murder me. And then he goes up the stairs to get out of the basement, and then takes, like, an axe to the chest. We get another punish from our man Billy, because he's got a catchphrase. So, like, um, I'm almost positive that that wasn't actually a cat, and it was people making cat noises. Like, oh, you like, mean the cat the sounds that were happening? Yeah, throughout I'm pretty that? sure. That, I'm pretty sure that someone on the cast or crew was making that cat noise. Yeah, it was a very unrealistic cat yowl that he kept hearing. Yeah, because that's what prompted him to start aiming his gun because he heard the cat, but then it just kept meowing. It was like, you're like it wasn't meowing; it was like yowling, and it kept yeah. doing it for like so long. Could, do you think you could recreate it? We'll both take a stab at it. I de- I'm sure this I is, cannot. This is going to be 
audio gold for our uh, listeners. I'm not Frank Welker, but okay, I'll give it a shot. All right, you do your your best version. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, dude! I'm pretty sure it sounded more like. That's what I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. I thought it sounded like yowling towards the end. Yeah, towards yeah, I guess you're right. Either way, it definitely didn't sound like a cat. <laughs> In any case, I hope you cut that. Oh my god. Um but yeah, punish you did it for he's down. so long. Well, I was trying to get the It was good. It was right. Anyways. I loved it. Anyways. <laughs> From there, uh, we basically get the big finale of the first film. Like, it's basically played without like cuts or even like any more like uh, commentary from modern Ricky. Uh, the mother superior has all the kids inside now because of the threat of violence. Uh, she decides they're gonna have them sing a song. Uh, one of the kids sees Billy at the door and goes to let him in, thinking he's Santa. Um, he comes in to kill Mother Superior. Uh, but then the cop who's with sister Margaret arrives and then shoots and kills Billy. Uh, and then he gets his like last line from the movie, which is where he says to the kids, like you're safe now. Santa Claus is gone. And then it like pans over to child Ricky looking at mother superior and saying naughty. And that's how that movie ended. And then boom, here we are. We did it. Okay. So now we're in the actual movie. (laughs) Yeah. Now we're not just doing the cutaways between, uh, this movie and the last movie. Yeah. We are done with that movie, except we still have some more flashbacks because this movie actually starts three quarters of the way through its actual movie time, which is great. Yeah, you love it. The like, end, of, the ending, like quarter of this movie is so fast paced. Yeah, I mean they had to make up for the fact that they just meandered around with using. They had to a, make up for the fact they just used their other movie for for an hour. Yeah, I mean they're still in the interview though. True. So in the interview, um, what is it? Bloom is changing the tape and Ricky's like, that's me, huh? Like pointing the tape. It's like, that's a weird way to phrase it. Um, but then he explains that uh, to Bloom that Sister Mary found him a new family, the Rosenbergs, who definitely didn't uh, have anything to do with Christmas. The implication being, I think that they're Jewish. Um, so no Christmas anymore. So at least Sister Mary knows not to get this kid anywhere near anymore right <laughs> any more santa stuff although i have to wonder though like aren't like catholic orphanages like <clears throat> really strict about religious requirements i'd be surprised that they would allow like non-catholic families to even adopt them i mean they probably have to now because of like laws but i mean i know what you're getting at but they never explicitly say that that's what that is what like, are you referring to the fact that they don't observe, like, Christianity? Yeah. Yeah. Do they ever actually come out and say that? Or do they, we just they, assume that they, because they, they used a very stereotypical name? That they're Jewish? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was. I shouldn't have assumed that uh, Mort Rosenberg was Jewish. So, <laughs> well, yeah. But, like, they never actually yeah. say it, nor do they have any sort of, like, tradi- they don't Like, he never they wears it. They imply it as hard as you can. He never wears a yarmulke in public. Like it's uh, never mind. We're, well, he's not Hasidic. He's not like ultra orthodox. Uh, I gather it because I I don't know. Okay, never mind. I guess maybe I assumed that Canceled. they might be Jewish. Yeah, in the movie, implied it as hard as it could. Yeah, well, they, but that's what I'm saying. Like, why didn't they just say it? 
I don't know, man. I think they just thought your media literacy would be enough. They didn't have to say it. It's like, oh, by the way, a Jewish family raised me. And then I became a murderer. Isn't that also problematic? Uh, Who knows? Instead, they just implied it and then just move along. Uh (laughs) But then anyways, we get some uh, uh, fake looking home movies that show some of Ricky's life with the Rosenbergs, uh, where he said he could live uh, without being a freak with a murderous brother. Um, But then one day he's out walking with his adoptive mother and he sees some approaching nuns. And they're not even really doing anything. They're just walking into stores. Um, And when his mother is his mother is talking to her friend, Jill. But then she finally looks up, but the nuns aren't there. And then he's calm. But oh, no, the nuns are back. Um, and then like what they, they go into a store and the store like drapes a red cloth over a sign in the window. And, uh, you know, Ricky has a flashback to the Santa Claus stuff and basically goes into like a catatonic state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really goes well for him. Um, but yeah, after this incident, uh, his adoptive parents talked to sister Mary about his issues. Uh, and he's afraid that they would send him back. Uh, but he says that sister Mary like smoothed it all over or whatever. And Sister Mary does say that, like, a stable home environment will help him. But it's the Rosenbergs who say, like, like the mother who's like, we can't just abandon him. And then, like, the father of uh, the Rosenbergs who's like, you know what? Yeah, I just need to spend more time with him. Like, they, the Sister Mary doesn't really say much. They kind of come to the conclusion themselves right. that this kid needs their help. Right. Um, Which good on them. Yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> I'm glad that. They decided to keep the the kid, the adopted kid who has some behavioral issues, but might just need some love and a, and a nice welcoming home instead of just kicking him back to the uh, system that created him this way. Right. Um, but anyways, yeah. Four years later, uh, uh, Mort, uh, Mort, the stepdad, he calls him his stepdad, but it's his adoptive dad. I think that's weird that he says that uh, he's dead. Uh, they're at the graveyard. And, and he uh, calls Ricky's, her mom. That is kind of weird. Yeah, it's weird that he yeah he calls his his adoptive mother mother, but he calls his adoptive father stepdad. I don't know yeah. unless there's more to it than that. Like they cut out an entire sequence where like she uh, divorces Mort and then yeah. remarries. It's like yeah, do we need any more complicated plot threads in this? I'm already like <laughs> five pages into a nine page thing of this. No, movie. That's it's a so different flashback to another incident. movie. Yeah, it's a different movie. This flashback to stepbrothers. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so anyways, they're at the graveyard. Um, you know, Ricky's explaining to Bloom. That the Rosenbergs were good to him and he understood what his mother was going through, but he also felt like running away. And it's like, oh, it's an awful lot of uh, empathy for someone who's going to later murder so many people. Yeah. But yeah, so then we get another weird crosscut scene where it cuts between him and Bloom as they're having an interaction. He's like, I've never told anybody this. And then Bloom's like, let it out. He's like, here it comes. Like, what a weird way to phrase it. You're about to tell a story. I didn't really understand and we can get into this later, but like his line deliveries when he's in like the flashback of him being an adult, um, were pretty okay. But then his line deliveries when he's at the interview were terrible. So I don't know. I, I think a lot of like, all right, we, well, I have thoughts we can get into it later, but yeah, I mean, we can talk about it later. I honestly think that he goes from, there's something he does and I can explain it maybe when we talk about acting about yeah. what it is he's doing and why. Yeah. Um, but anyways, eh, here we go. Ricky explains that, uh, you know, after his uh, father died, he would walk on the back roads for hours. This is the first we learned they like lived in the country or whatever. So he's like, you know, easy to like walk away from people and like be away from people. He's like, says something like it's uh, never getting close to anyone. Uh, is it good when everyone around you dies or something like that? It's like, Hey man, like, Calm down. Don't go right in like a 
yeah, right. emo record or something. I know. Um, yeah, but he finds a, a, a Jeep at the edge of the field. It's a red Jeep. Um, and there's a couple in the field having a picnic, uh, which, you know, younger Ricky decides to creep up on it. But he's actually smiling while he, while he watches them because he thinks he's seeing a sweet scene. Um, the guy, Eddie, is drinking a, what, Tecate beer or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I doubt they wanted this to be part of their product placement. Oh, that and the um, Muppets from the from the flashback. Miss Piggy Muppet. Oh, yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. That was <laughs> wild. I'm surprised they didn't get sued for that. Yeah, Jim Henson. Like I know, and he was still, you know, like, around. And are they owned by Disney? Like, they're litigious. Uh, I don't think back then they were. I don't know. Okay. I don't know, though. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, it doesn't matter, because basically what happens is... Um, he tells uh, the woman he's with, which I think her name was Paula. Is that what we said her name was? I think so. Yeah, Paula. So uh, he said, you're going to need a new shirt. Uh, and the reason is because he's uh, going to try to make a move on her right then. Um, and she's upset about this. She's tired of him always grabbing at her uh, and uh, trying to move her along, uh, which, of course, because of the movie we're in, he gets forceful and like rips open her shirt. Which, of course, we get another cut to Ricky witnessing this, having flashbacks to his mother being attacked. You know, it always comes back to that, which I might remind you and the audience that Ricky was a baby when that happened. So how he can have a flashback to that is impossible, but he does anyway. So Um, I have some questions about this because um, as like a narrator telling these stories, do we actually believe stuff went down the way it did from him, from Ricky? You think that he's an unreliable narrator? I do because most of his drive is from what his brother told him, right? So he says, I remember, but then he but then he says Billy made sure to tell me everything. So like Billy's telling the story to Ricky. Yeah, it's very possible that Ricky's just the product of his brother's delusion. Correct. <laughs> instead. That's yeah, that's what I, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I think that I don't know if you're saying that the this murder and then the next one are actually real or not, which we can get no, no. That. I think he murdered them for sure. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I, I, I think I think that I'm just saying like he has the flashbacks all the time of stuff that he would have absolutely no way of knowing what was going on. Yeah, but for us, the audience, it looks like the same thing. But yeah, if Correct. it was like fabricated, then he's just seeing whatever his brother told him he he saw. So right, <clears throat> but yeah, so um. He says naughty because it's about time for him to kill some folks. Um, and then Eddie is now mad at Paula because she like hits him in the face. He's like, you know, fuck this. I'm getting a beer, but I'll be back. And he goes back towards the Jeep. Um, once he's there, uh, he looks at his face in the mirror because she like hit him in the face. Obviously, she did. Um, yep. And then what Eddie like gets a beer, walks to the front of the Jeep. And then suddenly horn, the horn honks and Ricky is in the driver's seat. It's like, is this man uh, Kurt Kurt Wagner, the amazing Nightcrawler? Yeah. Because it seems like he teleported <laughs> into that seat. Yeah. Um. And then he like, he's he runs Eddie over, backs over him, runs over him again, backs over him again, and not quickly. This this dude takes a while to do the back and forth a couple of times. So like Ricky gets out of the car, you know, is on his way out, and then Paul is there and just says thank you to him, and then he just goes about his business. So it's like, it turns out if you just like thank these guys for their service, they'll, they won't murder you too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then what is it? We get a cut to Bloom's notes where he wrote red car exclamation point. And then (laughs) because red. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. um, Ricky's beside him, sneaks up on him. He's like red car. Good point. 
And here's the thing, Shane. The, it's true. The red motif does happen a lot throughout this. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of red things that happen around the violence that happens. It would have been way cooler if they hadn't like hung a hat on it and actually told us it. Like if it had just been something that happens and around oh, when he together. gets, yeah. Instead yeah. of like, like if we had seen the red Jeep, if we'd seen later, like when, like later on, there's going to be like some red things that are around the murders. If we'd just seen that, it probably would have been really cool. But you mean like how they respected us enough to to put together his adopted family was Jewish. <laughs> they trusted but, us to make that connection, but beat but us not over to the head with the, the red Santa outfit thing that none of us could have put together on our the own. The motif that yeah. the color red is a part of the violence. Like when he literally has a mental breakdown when he sees red. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way we could have made that connection yeah. otherwise. Love it. Yeah. Um, and then we get like a nice little, uh, interchange between, uh, Ricky and Bloom where he asks if Bloom has any kids and R- Bloom's like, no, nah, we weren't blessed with kids. It's like, oh, so you're married. And he's like, well, I was, but my wife has, uh, unfortunately passed. Um, and then he asks him how he met his wife and, and Bloom's like in college, but it's none of your business. And it really seems like the entire point of that conversation was to get to the next flashback. Right. <laughs> Cause Ricky, Ricky says, I can't well, my fall. Yeah, my mom couldn't afford to send me to college, so I had to get a job. And he says it like that. Because <laughs> I put it in my notes in like the caveman SpongeBob font. Yeah. Like the capital G, lowercase yeah. E capital. <laughs> That's how he says it. <laughs> um Yeah, so we cut to Ricky and he's like, Oh, I was 18 working in a working a job. And then it looks I guess he must be in a restaurant because it looks like he's like a busboy and he's like taking trash out and stuff like that. Uh, but he does hear that a man is getting uh, is a man named Rocco is uh, like beaten up on some guy who owes someone some money. Yeah. And Rocco's just beating the crap out of the dude, not seeing that Ricky's like creeping up on him. And um, the guy is also like really rude about it to the guy he's beaten up. He's like, I hope you don't pay because I love beating you up. It's like, OK, dude, like you can have more of a personality than beating people up. Have you considered reading? Um, but then Ricky, uh, you know. Uh, stops Rocco when he tries to leave and just picks him up and throws him into some boxes. Um, and then he proves that he has inherited his brother's supernatural right hand strength because he picks up Rocco with one arm and holds him up like like by the throat up on the wall. And then he, he like he's getting punched in the face by the dude repeatedly while he's holding him up completely unfazed. The dude is like maniac cop levels of like strength. I mean, th- this actor's yoked for sure. He, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he he is. But to pick up a grown man with one arm, like I don't know, that seems like yeah, a but lot. Santa killed his parents, though. That's like the magic trade. Oh yeah, I always forget that was the trade off. Yeah, see, it's like uh, the t- reverse Tim Allen. Yeah, here's something, kids. If you want to get super strength, just have Santa kill your parents. Yeah, if you kill Santa, you become Santa. But if Santa kills your parents, you become Superman. <laughs> It's pretty much that's, that's I'm pretty sure that's what yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah, you might be immortal based on the end of this movie. Yeah. Spoiler alerts. Yeah, really. So yeah, jot that down, kids. If you want to get immortal and also super strong, uh possibly more things, have Santa murder your parents. Heard it here first. Exclusive reveal. But like what we don't know though is is it have to be like on a highway and they're faking that their car broke down? I don't know. There's a lot of factors we don't know. So write in if Santa's killed your parents and you have super strength. <laughs> hey, help us test this hypothesis. Yeah. 
Um, anyways, uh, he has this like, uh, like revel, like, uh, revelation where he's like, looks to his left and sees something and like grabs it and it's an umbrella. So he's like, he says, naughty stabs Rocco through the mid middle with it. And then uh, when it gets to the other side, it opens and it's covered in blood. And then it starts to rain, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. I love that. Like that was really cool. So yeah, he killed a guy with an umbrella. And then we cut to Bloom again. Now Bloom, he's having a hard time. He's, he's like sweating at the brow. He's like, I've never heard of these two incidents anywhere in my notes. He's like looking around. He's like, I don't know if they're real. Um, and then Bloom, he's shook, right? Yeah. So he wants sure. to leave. So he's like, yeah. He's like, oh, we got farther today than I expected. Uh, you know, I uh, better leave. And then Ricky well, like, had the red monogram on his on his handkerchief. Oh, he did. Yeah, he looked yeah. at the M. I forgot about that. That was part of it. Oh, see the red. Um, but we then never, we never would have put that together, though. No, thank goodness they brought it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, then Ricky says, uh, "You're starting to get to me, Doc." Uh, and then they have a little exchange where um, uh, Ricky says something like, "Oh, they needed punishment," and then uh, Bloom is like, "You, they needed discipline." <laughs> And then Ricky's like, oh, you're starting to get me. And then because of that, you know, Bloom decides he's going to fly closer to the sun, which how does that go, Shane? How does it go for for uh, Icarus if he flies closer to the sun? Well, he did get a major spot in a very popular Disney cartoon. So I don't know. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Hercules. Is Icarus in that? The cartoon. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was the whole thing. Wow, that joke sucked. I mean, someone who watched Hercules the cartoon show might get it. I never watched it. All right, Zon, looking at you, pal. You might be my only hope. Well, hopefully he knows. Um, but in real life, Icarus died. Yeah. I mean, in other words. Solid. I mean, in the actual myth, not in real The real man, Icarus. Yeah, Daedalus, he had to start a new family now, lost that kid. Oh, man, sorry. Yeah, in the myth, though, he, he dies. He doesn't go on to be in a Disney cartoon. Uh, but uh, but then, like I said, Bloom, he, you know, he's going to fly too close to the sun, and he asks uh, about Jennifer. Uh, this upsets Ricky, who tells him to eat shit, and uh, Bloom takes out a picture and asks who it is, and then Ricky's like, it's Jennifer. He's like, yeah, dude, obviously it's Jennifer. So Ricky's like, that's the only person or the only thing I've ever cared about, except he literally talked about how much he loved his adoptive parents and was hurt by his adoptive father passing and felt concerned for his adoptive mother. Never mind. We don't have time for logic in this movie. We have to keep moving. So um, we cut to uh, their meet cute moment, which is more like a crime. So uh, Ricky's on a motorcycle and trying to back out of a space and Jennifer just comes down the road and hits him and he falls off his motorcycle. <laughs> Like she hits him with her car. Uh, he's upset until he looks up and sees that she is hot and she's laughing at him rather than being concerned that she just hit a human being with her car. So neither of them have uh, great reactions to their event. The perfect couple. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, so yeah, Ricky uh, foreshadowing uh, what might happen. He says he never wanted to lose her. Uh, Jeepers. I guess that means he's going to lose her. Uh, we see a long scene of them just like driving down a highway together on his motorcycle. 
It's like, this scene is lasting way too long. It's really weird. And then they're like, oh, oh, we have, we can give you another way too long and really weird scene. Here's a sex scene. <laughs> but it's way too long and really weird of them like just the like, it, yeah, where they just like pushed up against each other and yeah. then like, like moving their heads against each other. It's like, is this how giraffes make out? Very <laughs> weird scene. It was not. It was not cool. I did not enjoy it. So, um, yeah, anyways, after that, um, they're sitting up in bed together and Billy narrates uh, that uh, it was his first time and he thought it was hers, too, which means something about her not being a virgin is going to upset him. Hopefully we find out what it is. All right. Cut to Ricky and Jennifer in a movie theater together. Uh, Ricky is taken by a movie trailer for something called chaos, which sounds very violent based on the narrator and the -hmm. the sounds of explosions. And Jennifer uh, says, uh, you can't be into this. Can you? Um, But then she also says the movie that they're to see is supposed to be scary. I'm like, okay, so you don't like action movies. We like scary movies. We're getting to know Jennifer a little bit, but there's a very disruptive patron in the back who's yelling for the movie to start as though he's never seen a preview before, as though they can just hit a skip button on it. Um, and then whenever, like, I guess production logos are starting to come up and he does the dun, dun, dun with it, like upsetting everyone. His companion to his left is very uh, upset with him, which by the way, that's the director. Yeah. I was gonna say this has to be a cameo of some sort. But yeah. The guy to the left of the disruptive patron is, is okay. Lee Harry, the director. Yeah, and he's like putting his hand to his head, like, uh, this guy, you know? Right. Like, yeah, he's he's going through it. Um, so uh, all right. And then despite the fact that they were kind of upset with this guy for being disruptive, Jennifer starts talking in the movie and tells Ricky that uh he isn't like anyone else she's ever met, and she likes him a lot. Uh, yada yada yada. Like, let me tell you something. Movies are a sacred experience. If I'm ever on a date with a girl, she starts talking to me, it's like, hey, yo, if you like me a lot. Tell me after the movie. You don't have to tell me during the movie. <laughs> so um, they're about to kiss when disruptive guy makes like kissy noises from the back and yells for him to kiss her. And then when he turns around angry to give him like mean mug at him, uh, he yells the F slur because that's what you do. Um, and then uh, what is it? Jennifer says, well, we know that's not true because he had sex with a woman. You see, right. Um, so but anyways, specifically her. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, it's true. Um, all right. So this this is actually probably one of the funniest scenes in the movie. So Ricky's like, "Hey, so what's this movie supposed to be anyway?" And Jennifer's okay. like, "It's it's about a talk to you about this. It's about a guy who dresses up like Santa Claus and kills people." And Ricky just turns to her and goes, "What? <laughs> like a sitcom moment in this movie? It's like." Did we forget we're in a horror movie about like a kid, like a couple of Santa brothers who murder people? <laughs> Which does that suggest they made a movie about his brother's murder spree? No, I don't think they did. If you watch them, if you watch the trailer or the movie they're watching, it's the same car from the first one, and it's the same Santa guy, or at least it looks like him. I'm pretty sure. This was a callback to the first one where the the Santa that murders his parents. So you think that. So I think that Billy saw this movie. But the movie doesn't start until years after Billy's dead. But like. Unless this is like a replay of it. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking of like to me, it's like I I think this was just to show that 
I, I think there's more going on here. That that's how I took it. But I'm almost positive if you if you go back because it's that same red car. It's broke like, and he robs that liquor store with the gun. I'm that's pretty, interesting. But I don't know if that. Yeah, maybe the suggestion is that yeah, because this dude was the murderer, he inspired Billy to become the murderer. But as someone or, who's watched many many horror movies and some of them I was probably too young to see, it didn't make me a murderer. No, no, but I think no, no, no. I'm not saying that Billy was a murderer that way. I'm just saying like, I think this goes into the like the facts are getting misappropriated to certain events. Right? Uh, like he the, the he really did have his like parents killed in front of him, but it wasn't this actor who did it. It was a real guy. Yeah, or it could be Ricky Psyche, like when she said it's a movie about a guy that dresses up as Santa and kills his family or kills people, and then he sees that person that he envisions that Billy told him about. I, I actually really like this scene. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But again... I mean, it's I, a good scene, but yeah. But yeah, I, I, it, I could be wrong, but I, it definitely looked just like the car that was broken down, and it looked just like the guy. That, from I mean, the first I mean there's not a lot of in-text evidence for that being the fact, but it's a cool idea, so I like it. Yeah. Um, Where were we? Where was it? Where was I? Where were I? Um. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So... Uh, you know, watching Santa kill the first guy, uh, Ricky says punish and then gets up like he was activated, like he was a sleeper agent. <laughs> um, so, uh, while he's gone, a guy comes up from behind Jennifer and covers her eyes and says, guess who? And she knows who it is. It's Chip, Fucking her ex-boyfriend. Chip. Yeah. Chip. What a jag. Um, he seems like a real douchebag in this. So the idea that he joined the military after this to actually become useful is great. Even though I know the actor is not its character. Um, so yeah, they have a lengthy exchange about, uh, just him like constantly trying to hit on her. Like, uh, uh, what is it? She doesn't want to see him. Uh, they had a rendezvous in the backseat of his car. He stood her up. He cheated on her. Yada, yada, yada. She's like, I'm here with a date already. And he's like, Kong, is he housebroken? It's like, was the eighties a different time that you just mess with people that are jacked? Like, that seems insane to me. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, we after let me get Chip trying to hit on her and trying to get her to like date him again and all this stuff. Uh, back to the rude guy in the back, the disruptive patron. Uh, he turns to his companion and says something about how this movie is bogus. And then he looks up and the camera pans with him, and he's like, you know, it's obvious. You know, go to the base without a flashlight trope. He turns and says that to the guy again. But then on the third time he goes to the companion, he finds his face in Ricky's chest. And looks up and it's Ricky sitting there instead, who like says what? Shh, naughty. And then just starts beating the crap out of him, like murdering him. Yeah. Which I thought was really funny. He's like hushes him and says naughty like that. And then we cut back to Jennifer and Chip, who hear the noise. They look back to see what the kerfuffle is, but rather that they just see a guy's feet in the air and like popcorn flying in the air. And no one investigates it because uh you know, Jennifer, having looked at that direction, notices a woman standing in the aisle waiting for Chip. And it's like Chip's date for the night. And then she makes like a rude remark about it, like, oh, her meter, Chip, you left the meter running unless you're paying by credit card. It's like, I think if you have to pay a fee, the meter still runs. But I think the implication is that she's a prostitute. And then Chip says, uh, that's Roxanne. She's just keeping me in shape till you come back. Hey, it's like, oh, I can't believe you broke up. You're so charming. Um, and then Chip remarks that he'll be home all summer. Jennifer says, I'll be busy. And he says, I'll be waiting. And then he stands up and leaves uh, with Roxanne arm in arm. And then gives Jennifer a wink while he's leaving just to prove how creepy he is. 
Which also, does that mean he came into that theater just to have an interaction with her and leave? Like, where are the like ticket takers in this place? Like, where are yeah, the ushers? I didn't know. Like, I, that's kind of what I felt like. I was like, was he stalking her? Because it kind of it kind of seems like that. But then I think she's really into it. Yeah, no, she clearly is based yeah. on her reaction to his uh, <clears throat> later event. Um, yeah, so they leave, and then what is it? Uh, suddenly Ricky's back on the other side of Jennifer. Uh, and then she's like, what I want, uh, she is, she wants to leave. He's like, no, I'm starting to like this picture. Right. Cause, cause he, cause he killed someone. You see Uh smash cut next day. The two young lovers are walking hand in hand. He's telling her that after she's done with shopping the next day, he's going to pick her up and show her a romantic spot in the Canyon on his bike. Suddenly they notice that chip is working on his car in front of a house and I'm like, is it his house or her house? Because I'm guessing they must be neighbors. So he's just nearby. Mm-hmm. But it'd be weird that this is the first time that they have, you know, encountered one another. I think she took him through there. Oh, uh, you think she was setting up this confrontation? Yes. Ooh, you're coming in hot with this. You think she's like, she's trying to set up a toxic masculinity showdown. Well, she gets it and she doesn't seem pleased with the results. <laughs> um, yeah. So what is it? Uh, Chip is like... Uh, being a real dick. He's like, if I'd known you'd sink so low, I never would have dumped you. Cause like apparently he considers uh, Ricky low class. Uh, and then when they try to walk by uh, chip grabs her by the arm and uh, talks about all their good times. Um, then uh, yeah, like that's all of them. Yeah. All three of them apparently. Um, and then what is it? Chip tells Ricky, uh, I don't know how he phrases it, but he basically is like, like I had intercourse with her in the back seat of my car. He doesn't say it that way. He's like, I banged her in the back of old red here. Oh no, it's a red thing, Shane. Oh no. Uh, but then uh, those two are obviously like about to like go at it when uh, Chip or Jennifer steps in to try to uh, shut Chip up. Uh, but he like pushes her or she falls. It's not really clear. It's like a little kerfuffle and then she falls. Uh, Chip. Uh, I guess he thinks that he's gotten the better of the situation for some reason. He like puts on his sunglasses and says, fall in for me again. Huh? Uh, thinks he's, uh, what David Caruso from, uh, <laughs> what is it? CSI, uh, uh Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the who uh, kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, instead, uh, he gets choked by a supernatural right hand fist to the throat. Cause, uh, cause he goes to say something to Ricky and just starts getting choked on with the freakishly powerful hands should have known that this guy who's much taller and jacked than he is. Cause like, jacked-er. here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. More jacked. I don't know. But like Ricky's wearing a sweater that is very flattering. Right. Like he's clearly muscled. Like, I don't know what right. chips plan here was. I guess he didn't think he'd get murdered. Well, spoiler alert. He will. Uh, so yeah. Um, you know, keeping with the habit of, uh, whilst choking someone with the right hand, he notices something to the left that would be an excellent murder implement. He sees like the uh, what the uh, the battery charger for the car, like the yeah, the yeah, jumper so he, cables, the jumper cable. Yeah, he so he picks up the jumper cable and he puts it in Chip's mouth. And we have to talk about this. So I the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he put it on like one of his teeth or something. Right. But I don't think he did. It looks like he latched it deep into the back of his throat. Did he put it on the dangly thing in the back of his throat? His vulva? I don't know. It was either that or his tongue. I, I, I thought the same thing. Somewhere in there. Yeah, it got he in there. It, 
He put it in there, man. Yeah, it was deep. Yeah, and then he just like looks to the dials and just cranks them up. Right. Um, yeah, so uh so Jennifer screams no because she doesn't want Chip to die because like you said, she's probably still into him. Uh but then Chip's like eyeballs explode because of <laughs> electricity. And that seems to surprise Ricky. I was like he didn't know what was gonna happen. He was just excited to be a part of it. Uh, but then Jennifer makes the rookie move of not thanking Ricky and instead yells at him. It's like, you killed him. You're crazy. Um, all that stuff. Uh, and Ricky, like while that's happening is like having flashbacks of mother superior. Uh, although the shots that we see are her yelling at Billy, but I think that's all they had in the stock footage bin. So I had to use it. Right. Uh, but then that's kind of a funny moment. Cause then Rick's uh, Ricky's like punish. And then Jennifer's like, yeah. uh-oh. And then tries to run. It's like, yeah, lady, he's a psychopath. And you're yelling at him. What did you think was going to happen? So he like pulls out the car antenna and she doesn't even get a few steps away before he's got her with it and just chokes her to death. And it's such a funny thing because she's trying her best to act like she's getting choked and it's not looking great. But I was conv- I was like too taken by uh, Ricky's face. He's like going cross-eyed. Like, yeah, right. he's doing it. It's like, what were the notes for the scene? Like, what were the notes on his performance here because it looks wild. Um, but of course, no sooner uh, does Jennifer drop dead than a cop from off screen yells, Freeze, asshole. And then we see the barniest Fife looking dude since Barney Fife roll in like crooked hat, baggy clothes, his revolver. Like his hat's not even on his head the whole way. N- not even. And yeah. then like uh, his revolver is what full arm's length away from him? Yeah. Yeah, like as you do. Um, so yeah, he's walking out. Um, yeah, so uh, he moves up and then uh, uh, he says, I'm going to cuff you and no funny stuff because I know how to use this. And he cocks the revolver. <laughs> Rookie move because all that Ricky has to do is just uh, while he reaches for his cuffs with one hand, grab the <laughs> grab his gun hand and push it up. And the dude shoots himself in the head. Done. Guy gone. Like all he did is just bump his hands up basically and kill yeah, the guy. In the the it was the that was a good scene. Like the the look of shock on the cop face. So like, oh. <laughs> the cop was like, "Oh man, I can't believe because I had my gun out in front of me in front of like Billy's face. He was able to knock it away like that because right. he literally has the gun like full arm extension, right? In like Billy's range of motion. Like I don't think any cop has ever trained to do that. That's insane. Um. But, you know, cop's dead, and guess what? Now Billy is armed with a... Or Ricky, not Billy. I kept, I said Billy a couple times there. Yeah, I told you, you to stop me right. when I say Billy. I, you were on a roll. You know, uh, you had a good cadence going. You can't allow it. You have to stop it. All right. Ricky. Um. Yeah, Ricky. Uh. So, yeah, Ricky, armed with a revolver, uh, begins Richard, what is... As yeah. he's lovingly referred to by Mother Superior. Yeah, she does. She's the only one who calls him Richard. Although, I will say one thing. This is probably the one of the best scenes in all yes. of horror yes. is him walking around with this gun. <laughs> so he just says the fakest laugh of all time. Then suddenly gets deadly serious and the music cues up like a March. Like it's like rising right. crescendo of music. Uh, a neighbor comes out and asks, what the hell is going on out here? Ricky blasts him from yeah. such a distance. And then he just says, motherfucker. And then just starts to laugh again, but it's like the fakest laugh. He's like, <laughs> so good <laughs> like that it's like that's the laugh he's doing 
So then we get the the scene where okay, a guy is like taking out his trash can and he's carrying it to the curb. <laughs> when he looks up and sees Ricky with a gun, and Ricky's like, "Garbage day!" And then so just blasts. Him. <laughs> there you go. And then what? Ricky like spins the gun and blows the smoke out of the barrel. Yeah. Then it's him laughing and walking, like laughing and then getting serious again. It's like he's like going back and forth. But then he gets bumped by a little girl in a tricycle. But the little girl says, excuse me, mister. He's like, oh, that's okay." And then allows her to continue, uh, even though her task that she's continuing is driving a tricycle down the middle of the street. Like, you probably shouldn't be riding a tricycle in the street, kid. But it just proves that Ricky won't kill you if you're nice to him. I mean, there's like a, what? Uh, four percent chance that her parents were shot by Ricky, so uh, definitely one of them. Definitely yeah. one of them at that point. Um, so yeah, the he's the, but then he sees a car coming and does another one of his laughs, and then just starts blasting. He fires three times, and then he hits it, and then yells "Bingo!" The car drives up a random construction in- embankment. He just stands there as it like rolls and like on its side past him. Hey, like it's I don't an know if you movie. saw it. It looked like the car almost hit the stunt man, and the stunt man like sidestepped. He leaned, and it man that was close. Now that could have been a really good angle on the shot, and it wasn't even close at all. But it looked like it was going to get him it, if he hadn't moved out of the way. It looked like it was going to get him if he. Had, I think I don't. I if I had to bet that car that did not leave the ramp correctly. Yeah, because the car hit the ramp and it started to turn on its side like it was going to flip like sideways. Yeah. And then like the roof was almost hitting the stunt person yeah. and the stunt person like leaned and like the thing avoided him, but never left stood. Like, I guess he didn't, didn't sidestep. He never moved his feet. He just, nah, he just Mike Tyson right out of the way. Yeah. So like, that was incredible. It's like action movie stuff. Like quick. And then of course, like, yeah, of course yeah. the car rolls and then uh, explodes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's a car in a movie. <laughs> so it has do. to, <laughs> it has to explode. They literally had one of the, uh, I think it was uh, Bar. It's listed as the pyrotechnic guy. So you know, in the in the credits, if it's someone is listed as pyrotechnics engineer, you know it's going to get real. So, anyways, uh, we get like a shot of Ricky laughing and like walking up, and it's like one of the shots of him like coming up over the horizon on the road. The sun is shining, the music's crescendoing. It's like he's about to come to some victorious thing, right? Uh, no, he comes around the corner as a police roadblock, roadblock, telling him to drop his weapon. But of course, Ricky laughs and starts to bring the gun to his head and uh, after cocking it to, uh, you know, kill himself. But then the cops immediately 180. And you're like, no, don't do it. Don't it's be not a worth fool. It. It's not worth it. <laughs> so like this man just murdered a bunch of people, officers. Uh, but then he pulls the trigger and it clicks because, as we know, if you're counting, he shot three times. Once to the cop, once to the random guy who came out, once to the garbage man guy and three times to the uh, to the car. So, yep. so six, six shots. Yep. Mm-hmm. so what is it then uh back to the interview ricky's like oh, i was so young and stupid like how long has it been <laughs> like he looks exactly the same i don't i didn't think much time had passed and then he takes out a cigarette and uh puts it out on what jennifer's picture mm-hmm. which by the way i didn't remark on it before but the idea that he's like detained in what seems to be like a mental hospital or prison and can just freely smoke the 80s man hell of a yeah, time it was the 80s so <laughs> Uh, but then after Rick, he puts the, the cigarette out on Jennifer's picture. He apologizes to Bloom, who is now dead. He has his, is his throat cut or is it like he was garroted? He was, he, he garroted him enough that he was bloody, he had a bloody throat wound from a garrot. I, 
I think that was I think that was the film from the recording tape recording. I think he strangled him. Well, one of them because we do see that another one survived. Um, wait, what? Yeah, we see that another one survived. Another what? Another tape. Yeah, but I think that was I think that was the 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 earlier tape that he changed out. Yeah, I think he strangled him with it. That was the that was the mark on his neck. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, we get a we get a cut after you know that we get a cut to the tape playing. And it's the sound of Ricky escaping. They're like, he's getting out or whatever. Uh, and then we get a transition. It's actually Sister Mary talking to a police detective. And the detective is uh, saying that Ricky will go to the orphanage. And Mary's like, no, no, no. Orphanage is closed. And Mother Superior had a stroke. And that's when she realizes, oh, Mother Superior obviously is going to be Ricky's target too. Like, yeah, the abusive sure. woman who raised them, <laughs> like yeah. partially raised them is the one they want to kill. Cut to Christmas decorations. And you also hear the voiceover of uh, one of those like charity Santas asking for donations. Yeah. But you don't see him. You just see like the camera slowly panning across Christmas decorations and stuff. And he's like, how does he say? He's like, how about you give something to Santa? And what he gives him is his death. Kids or something. That's what the sign says. Like, give some bucks to the kids. But what Santa says is, how about you give something to Santa? And what he gives him is death. So we hear a struggle uh, and then, uh, you know, we get to a phone booth uh, and then it pans up. Ricky's now in the Santa suit that was confiscated from the charity bucket, Santa. Uh, And the camera like pans over as he dials a phone. An old woman answers and he says, Merry Christmas. And that Santa is back and then hangs up (laughs) before. Yeah, like she knows she's got to know unless she doesn't read the news at all. Um, yeah, so he leaves the phone booth and does his patented laugh and the camera pans down to the dead guy whose suit he stole, whose face is against the glass of the the phone booth. So there you go. That's a murder. I, I think I read somewhere there's like 23 murders in this. I've never tried to count it, but it seems like a lot. Um, unless they count the ones from the first movie. Which they probably be, for sure count. The that's ones wild. Them. They don't yeah. count. Uh, cut to Mother Superior, uh, wheelchair bound, and uh, also now facially disfigured somehow. I think they just did that so you couldn't tell it was a different actress. Yeah, I uh, was like, I'm pretty sure strokes don't do this. No, I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, she's shaken by the phone call, but then is immediately angry at children outside shouting and playing. She hates the idea of children enjoying life. Uh, then she goes to watch a parade on TV and calls it shameful and sacrilegious. I'm like, then why are you watching it, lady? Like, It's like, well, there's nothing else on, just reruns. Yeah, but then, uh, yeah, outside there's a toy Santa that's playing Silent Night, little on the nose. Uh, and Mother Superior is talking about then how the children should be in bed when suddenly an axe falls and destroys the toy Santa, and the children scream and run away. Um, but she apparently doesn't notice that because Mother Superior is too busy uh, pouring some alcohol uh, when suddenly the axe smashes the window of her front door because it's one of those like front doors with like a huge window in it. Right. And then he just calmly removes the chain lock and he's in Ricky's here. He's here to kill. Uh, he's just walking through the house, taunting mother superior who did I mention? She's in a, we mentioned she's in a wheelchair, right? No. Okay. She's in a wheelchair. Uh, so that's important to know, but she was in the first one too. At the end. Yeah. yeah. At the end, she was wheelchair bound. Do you, do you think that was the Lord's brandy in the decanter? Is that what was in the decanter was brandy? I mean, I, it's either whiskey or, or brandy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about Catholicism. I don't know how it works. Like, I don't know how to identify from sight whether the brandy is the Lord's or not. 
I mean, technically, she's on an income from the church, so isn't everything she owns of the Lord? If you think about it, because church money paid for it. Uh, Anyways, the... um, Ricky's walking around the house, taunting her. Uh, she, uh, he's going upstairs where she's hiding, and she's not subtle. She's like knocking shit over everywhere as she's like wheeling around her place. There's kind of a funny mo- moment where uh, she like sh- he's like he puts a hole into the door, right? And he's like peeking through it and like taunting her through it and stuff like that. And then the door's kind of open, and he's got his hand like reaching through it. But then she like wheels into the door and slams it. And he's like, ah, you almost got me, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but then she thinks for some reason that locking the door is going to stop him. He already put a hole in it, dude. There's already a hole in the door from the ax the that he door. has. Yes. Like he clearly can get in. Um, Yeah. So that doesn't work. Um, But uh, Ricky's just out there being destructive. He's like destroying her TV while it's playing the parade and like, breaking stuff. Still laughing maniacally like that. Weird. Oh, he's loving it. He's yeah. loving it. But then Mother Superior takes this uh, this opportunity to roll a stealth check in her wheelchair. And she like sneaks around th- from another room and like gets to the hallway and is heading towards. Um, she has like one of those chair lifts that she's going to go to. And then like uh, she gets to it. Uh, but Ricky, you know, by then he's done destroying her room and he walks over. And it's this moment where she's like trying to get to the chair lift. He's got the axe up. Is he going to get her now? No. She's going to take the express train down <laughs> by that. Hey, I mean, she just jumps down the stairs. Can we take a moment to appreciate uh, that? This movie took time to explain how she gets up and down stairs. Not like the prowler. I know. <laughs> I know. At least she has a chairlift and a yeah. wheelchair on each side. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, what? I sat there for a minute. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate this. I'm going to yeah, bring this up later. Kudos. Good work guys. Yeah. This was the other one where everyone goes upstairs looking for the guy when there's no chairlift. Like, how did right. he get? How would he get up there? Oh man, good callback, <laughs> excellent work. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, so she falls down the stairs, obviously. Um, but of course, when Ricky went to swing the axe, he got it like stuck in the wheelchair. So Ricky's like yelling and trying to fight with his wheelchair, trying to get his axe out of it, while uh, Mother Superior, who survived her fall down the stairs, gets into her replacement chair and starts to wheel away. Uh, Ricky laughs and starts heading down because he's gotten his axe free. Um, and then Mother Superior like wheels into the kitchen, grabs a kitchen knife. I guess she's going to do battle with him. Although I'll tell you one thing. If you're wheelchair bound with a knife versus a fully walking person with an axe, he's got you beat on reach and mobility. I don't know. Maybe the, she has the power of the Lord on her side. I was going to say, do you think that's the Lord's knife? Oh, man. <laughs> What is this? What is this? Is this it's the gonna Lord's hit once? Th- It'll hit once. Okay, I, I just I don't know what you're up to here. Uh, so where were we? Oh yeah, so and then um, she uh sits and listens for she like wheels from the kitchen into like a dining room and she's like listening for Ricky and can't hear him. Uh, so she decides that she's gonna start taunting him. He's like, ah, oh, Richard, you're a crazy person, and also I'll punish you and whatnot. Like she just yells about how she's gonna. She he has to come out to accept his punishment. Uh, she she then hears that Ricky comes out from the kitchen door behind her. He made the walk around, um, so uh, he gets there and she calls him naughty. And then he's like naughty this, and then raises the axe. And then we get a cutaway as the cops arrive with Sister Mary. So maybe uh, maybe Mother Superior sur- survived. She's not dead. 
they enter the house, a bunch of cops, like Sister Mary, uh, you know, goes into another room and then sees uh, Mother Superior sitting up seemingly fine somehow, uh, but not responding as she attempts to talk to her. So Sister Mary, Sister Mary goes up and uh, touches Mother Superior on the shoulder and her head falls off. Her head falls off because Ricky has a sense of drama. He put the head back on and also somehow made no blood somehow on her habit. Uh, I don't know. And somehow uh, but, got behind her. Oh, yeah. Also that well, Sister Mary screams and then passes out. But that helps her avoid the swing from Ricky, who had lifted his uh, his axe up and is about to strike. But the detective is there and just blasts him. And he keeps trying over and over again to like do an overhead swing with the axe. And each time he's shot until I think the third time he's perfectly placed in front of a window that he gets shot. And then he flies out the window outside. Hey, do you think that was the Lord's window? (laughs) It must've been, it has to be. (laughs) Uh, and then we, uh, cut to, uh, sister Mary who, um, you know, is wake awakened by the detective. He's like, "Hey, he's gone. It's over." This is great. But <laughs> then she turns and sees Mother Superior's decapitated head next to her and screams again. <laughs> and then, when she screams, Ricky opens his eyes and smiles. So good. And then, smash cut to a hand swinging an axe at us, the audience. Movie over. Yeah. End credits. I will tell you one thing. That was the Lord's head on the ground. Yeah. No, was, <laughs> I don't know. I wanted to get on the joke, but I'm not, I'm not as good at it's it. All right. it's but all yeah. Right. So that was it. That was silent night, deadly night part two. And the fact that even though he was shot thrice uh, and, and out a window, the fact that he shotgun. opened his, he opened his eyes and smiled. So that means that uh, the, the actor, um, what's his name? Uh, Eric Freeman can make a, uh, short film of his own in 2018 about the future of this character because he's not dead and i mean that, isn't that isn't that all of our dreams to not be dead no to wait 35 years and make a self-produced film <laughs> about your role in uh your early teens of course, of course. he was actually uh Our i think 20s. 23 yeah yeah he's supposed to be 18 but he was like 23 yeah. He wasn't, it's not egregious. He wasn't like in his thirties playing an 18 year old, at least like Linnea Quigley. Yeah, dude. She's playing high school students well into her thirties. Yep. Um, all right. Well then that's the plot. Um, what we do next as, uh, those who are initiated know is the judgment categories. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, shoot. Ah, shoot. I don't have it on my notes, so you have to bring it up. What we actually have to do is the McMurder of the movie. Insert cool guitar noise. Wow, wow. Wicked, wicked, wow. of the movie. I am confident we are not going to have the same one for this. Ah, dude, I don't think. uh, So, look, we need to talk about this. I don't think it's fair to have the ones from the first one. Agreed. Because it would definitely be the sled one, right? No, it would for me it would be the antler one. Oh, the antler one's good. But the sled one, I don't know. The sled one's off. also good. But either way, I agree yeah. with you. I think we have to Yeah. You know, everything that's from the first movie that's just a stock footage flashback. Can't have it. Can't allow it. We have integrity on this podcast, damn it. We can't have it. Okay, so I'm stuck between two. 
Okay. And do you want to do the three, two, one? We both say it. Uh, I guess we can, but I don't know if we're going to be on the same page, man. I'm just telling you, I don't want to disappoint you like last time when we were on a different page. All right. You can count it down. Count it down. So say three, two, one and say it. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Electric garbage ship. day. What? Uh, I mean, I love garbage day, but man, that wasn't even in my top three. My, what was your other I was one? Gonna, the umbrella one where it started raining. Oh, the umbrella one was super cool. I know. With the this, problem with garbage ceremonies... day though is I've seen the meme so many times. That yeah, it's just like it lost its power a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Because at the end of the day, it's just him shooting a guy. Yeah, did he blows the smoke though? I don't know. He does you're, blow the you're smoke. Right, though. And... The electric one was is. Well, what I liked about that one is that like this dude thinks he has the upper hand, puts on his sunglasses. Meanwhile, he doesn't know this guy has like supernatural strength from like a a being of myth murdering his family. So he's able to like choke him out and he's like, what's to my left. That's what I used to kill people. So it almost needs the umbrella one to have happened for this one to happen. And then he's like, ah, yeah, allow me to uh, hang this, this uh, jumper cable either by your throat dangler or by your tongue, either way, soft tissue. And then crank that shit. And then his eyes explode out of his head. I'll give it to you. I think, I think if you want to fight about it, we can. No, like, I'm no, fine no. With you, it, you're but. right. I just that's such a meme moment of garbage day. Because no, like, no, I, I love like, garbage. It's so day. out of nowhere, right? It's like you know what I mean. It like, is, it, but it's just it's his line delivery that does it. It's not the kill. I know, I it's know. just he just shoots a guy with a gun. <laughs> you're right. So I don't know. I I still stick by the the blowing out uh, Chip's eyes. <laughs> Because it also explodes his sunglasses, which is crazy. It definitely does. Yeah, All right, are you okay giving it to? Yeah, you give it I to am, that? I am. Because I, I do am. like the umbrella one. I do really like that one. Yeah, they're all and good. The, and that's the one that establishes the right hand of power and the left hand of uh, revelation. Because right. the right hand holds them and the left hand finds whatever's there. <laughs> I wish he had done more kills like that. That would have been so cool. Yeah. All right. Now you can. Now you can get into what you want to get to. Now we can do the. Judgment categories. I might buy a theremin. I've been thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm on the cusp, man. I had a couple in my cart during Black Friday, so I could do, <laughs> I can, because I'll just make my own theremin music for the show. That'd be super cool. Yeah. But uh, as our listeners know, the judgment categories where we rate the category uh, on a letter grade is story, which includes writing, acting, effects. Music, which can include sound, and then finally, uh, the cult factor, which is that little X factor, which makes these movies so special. So starting out for story slash writing, um, 
gotta ding it a little bit for all like 30 percent of it being stock footage from another true movie. <laughs> even though it is kind of interesting way to set up the framing device that goes through the next third of the movie of him just explaining his murders to his like psychiatrist before he breaks out yeah but like evil dead did the same kind of it wasn't as much of the movie but i mean i don't know that didn't bother me at all well but you never saw the first one did you no i've seen i've seen clips of the first one just from like the like the famous pieces you know what i mean like pretty much most of these scenes uh so what are you feeling um i was gonna i was gonna probably go uh b on it yeah just because i that stock footage dinged it for me having Mm -hmm. seen the movie yeah which again some of those kills in that first one also i think are better than even the best in this one (laughs) like i i really think that like the Linnea quickly on the antlers or the surprise uh surprise axe to the sledder are both like thematically and uh uh just practically more interesting kills so uh yeah so yeah i'm gonna say are you cool with b yeah i think b is fair um i i when you said danged i was worried you were gonna go down to c i thought i was gonna have to argue with you no i think it's really hard to get me down to c it's happened yeah but but i but yeah. i actually like the back and forth with him in the psychiatrist thing like that's some of the shots they do in there too are kind of cool so yeah um next up next up is acting <laughs> do you want to start opinions. do you want to yeah. start or do you want me to start so, so i'm gonna go i'm gonna say my letter grade first then i'll explain why go i'm gonna go b and here's why let's hear it so initially like what i'm i'm literally not gonna talk about the first 38 minutes of this movie because that's a whole that's another movie. So um Ricky his dialogue lines are delivered in a very weird cadence, right? And looking back at those scenes, because like when he when it pops out of the flashbacks, or when he's like gets the ball moving, like the dialogue's delivered well, right? He like I, I think the lines are, are done well. Um I think what happened is whoever edited this section of the movie did a poor job at leaving too much space before him talking when it would jump between the therapist and Ricky. So like a couple times, like I think they were trying to avoid it feeling like a carousel effect. Like if you're constantly going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, like I think this would have probably benefited from maybe like a split frame shot or something like that. So I blame the Ricky shortcomings on the editing more than I do his delivery of the lines. Because I think the the awkward silence pause before the lines delivered gives it more of a problem. It's more problematic than the actual line. Does that make sense? Because like Ricky's saying them almost as an interruptive. Like it's just how that's like how it's being delivered. Like it's very like abrupt and very like loud. And I think it's meant to feel more of like he's cutting off the end of the therapist sentences. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I took it. You know, and then the other characters, I think they did a, a pretty good job, especially the uh, orderly at the uh, mental hospital. It's my favorite. He's the MVP. Yeah, for that sure. orderly rules. He says yeah. nothing, and he just, like, yep. reacts in facial expressions. So good. I wish that guy had been in more things. Yep. But, um, no, yeah, I, I think that – so that was kind of bring me to <clears throat> what it is that I was going to say earlier, which is – so for Eric Freeman's performance as Ricky – he was actually getting conflicting notes because Lee Harry uh, and then Joseph H. Earl, mm-hmm. the the other writer, 
um, the other main writer, not one of the story idea writers, uh, were giving him two different notes. I can't remember which one was giving him which, but one was telling him he needed to be like a stone cold, like serious killer. And the other one was saying, no, you need to be, he needs to be a, like a, like a wise Kraken, like silly, like goofy guy. So he was like, he was like oscillating between these two things. And I think that's what makes his performance so inconsistent. I guess what also makes it really fun to watch, but I do, I do think that's what makes it so inconsistent is that he was getting like opposing notes basically. So did they do that on purpose? Because I, I kind of took that back and forth as him struggling with himself to not open up to the therapist. So like, I actually thought that kind of helped the dialogue more than it, like, you know, cause you're, you're under the assumption that he is crazy, right? He did, cause you don't know what he did to get in there, right? Initially. So in the way that they're telling the story, you don't know that he's killed anyone yet because he's talking more about his brother. His brother killing people, yeah. So you don't know that he just snap and they put him in a home. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, that makes a lot of sense. Like now that you say that with the, with the conflicting notes, because you can definitely see it. But I, I kind of thought that kind of helped play into his break, right? Like his mental, like where he snaps. I don't know. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that you want to go down to B uh, because of his performance. And I want to go up to B because of his performance, because I really feel like some of those other ones are real duds. Like, I think that the doctor is fine, but like the Jennifer actress doesn't make any sense. And it like I don't know, it just seems like a lot of the other actors just aren't really pulling their weight for me. Yeah. And his is at least interesting to see. So I guess like Chip, like you hate Chip. Like Chip did a good job at being like like you joked earlier, the heel. Yeah, um, he definitely is. Yeah, you know, I guess so. The the only other person that really had a role is Jennifer, right? Yeah, and I, I really didn't really like her performance. That much. I mean, it was fine. Like, well, it was very short lived. Like she, the, her her main dialogue was when they're in the theater, and then when she has that really awkward scene out when they're when he kills Chip. So yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess she's not given a lot of place, like time to stretch her legs because it's like what meet cute where she doesn't say anything, sex scene where she doesn't say anything, movie theater scene where she spends most of her time uh, talking to Chip, Chip, and then finally last scene where she gets killed. (laughs) So yeah, there's not a lot of scenes, I guess. But yeah, I'd have to say overall, B is fair for acting. I think for different reasons, but we came to the same result and that's all that really matters. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I really liked my favorite scenes of the movie, other than the movie theater scene, which I, I did like a lot, um, was the back and forth between the um, therapist and, and Ricky. And I, I really loved when it did, like, those, like, wide-angle shots where it showed them both at the same time, or, like, it gave a sense of distance, like, how far the therapist was from him. Um, I thought that was really effective. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. But cool. that brings us to effects. What? I'm I'm curious to see what you think on this one. Um, uh, I mean, I like that exploding car. That was pretty cool. I like the exploding eyes, obviously. Um, I don't know. It seemed like so many of his kills were with a gun. Although I will say the fake head for the mother superior <laughs> looked rad. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I don't know. It's it's like one of those things like where the putting a grade on effects is like does it have to be a spectacle to be good or can it just do what it does well and be good 
Yeah, like, that's fair. Is it, I'm trying not to color your your letter grade here, so I'm, I'm being quiet because I, I want you to just to I'm trying not to sway I'm, you in any I'm way. I'm probably gonna say B is where I'm probably at. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. Where were you? I would have said A. I thought it was really good. Oh, you know, I keep forgetting about the umbrella kill though. That that kill was yeah. Bad. Well, that's where I was gonna go. Like the umbrella kill was really good, and the um, headshot of the cop was also good. Yeah, like ah, oh, the explosion okay. of the car was silly though. It, it was, but it was still pretty cool. It's the '80s. That's how cars worked. Yeah. So they did one of my favorite things. Well, I, I shouldn't say favorite things because it's kind of weird. Um, I hate in movies when they shoot someone in the head, and then it's like the back of their head just literally, like the whole back of their body, like blows off of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think they they did a very effective job at, at kind of making that seem more believable and even the other gunshot stuff was was done really well i i don't know i'd go i i could I, i'll live with a b but like for me i i thought they did a great job the mother superior stuff was really good um, i'll probably go a on the strength of the umbrella one too i'd forgotten about that that umbrella thing was really rad when it like pushed through and then like the uh, the uh umbrella opens and it's like covered in blood that was awesome yeah what was cool too is um it was ripped like and then uh you know obviously you could tell they were spraying a hose near but the that it just it was effective I, I think they did they they did a good job um yeah i i, I don't that's know that's why i was um, debating like does it have to be specta- spectacle i don't like, think so like something like the prowler like those are incredible effects like such sure. spectacle but this one is like not really spectacle but it is effective when it is there which is what very effective yeah so yeah i would say a yeah. for effects and then, like, if you're taking account the stuff that happened in the first one, for sure, A, because, like, th- those were fantastic effects. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, between all those things, I- I- I'm comfortable with A. Good. So next up is music, and I'll let you take the lead. Um, You know, I was going to go B, but honestly, like, I love the music. I was going to say um, B? This is a yeah, banger. I know it is. That's So I'm going to go A for sure. But, like, like part of me was because the other thing I didn't I don't remember the first one and I haven't seen like it the whole way through, so like the first half of the movie is that the new soundtrack or is that the old soundtrack like what's going on, um and I I struggled with that a little bit. Um, well, it plays over the opening credits for this movie though, like this the the score. Right, but like there's there's music happening like while he's killing people and like from the the archive footage. Like things like there's there's like things going on. So like I didn't know if that was from the first one or from this one. So like that like as I'm watching it, I'm not now. I'm saying like when I was watching it, I'm like I'm like okay, is this music from the first one? Or are they just kind of reusing everything? Or is this new a new soundtrack? Um, and then going through the credits and stuff, like it, it's definitely its own thing. So no, I I really liked it. It was good. All right. The, the stings, the, um, was it, they're called what well, the stings, right? Right. Is that what they're called? Where like the sound where they use to help scare. Yeah. 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 They, were, they were effective. Yeah. They worked. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Then could for use more synth, but you know, can't. They could have. They really could have. Those tones. Really could have. We could add some more tones. So, yeah. yeah. So, A for the music. Yay. And then finally is Cult Factor. I mean, I mean, it's got to be A. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be it's, A. It's got to be, yeah. Even though half an hour of this is another movie, it's got to be A. 
that's what I mean. Like, I feel like you could just fast forward through like the first half hour, but like maybe not but, though, because some of those kills are pretty seen rad. It, yeah, that's true. If you haven't seen the first one, th- see, this is the thing. Like, if you t- if you take out the first one that e- that even happened, right? Just get rid of it. This is a great movie, like by itself, and it tells. I think it does a great job. It it th- like the way it tells the first one. You know, if that was just its own story, I think that's pretty cool. I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. No, I, yeah, it's got to be a, it's, this is a cult factor all day. Um, all day. And yeah. And, and plus we know that you can't watch the first one anywhere right now. So this is your yeah. place. This is the place to do it. This is your chance to watch it. Next up is our final category. It's the D roll. for uh i was trying to think of a christmas word that starts with d uh i'm trying to think of a dinosaur that starts with d deers comma rain deers underscore rain <laughs> underscore dolph so yeah the d roll as uh as people know is the little final category the hat on a hat where we put things into one last section is it a cult classic a b movie grindhouse or trash which hopefully nothing will ever be trash but it could happen one day yeah mistakes can be made they can and have but uh not this time though i'm gonna say cult classic probably i don't know yeah for sure i mean (laughs) yeah i I think that it's argument yeah especially if you've never seen the first one like just skip it just watch the highlight reel and then come into this one you know look at that performance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Eric Freeman's Ricky performance is he can't figure out if he's supposed to laugh or be a stone cold killer. He doesn't know. And neither do we. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should watch that 2018 revisit of Ricky today. Hey, where would it? I don't even know where it would be. I, I was literally just thinking, I'm like, how the fuck would you even watch that? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine that it's streaming anywhere. It seems like it was like an art house film or something, but it's got a seven out of 10 rating. Yeah. But who rated it? Like, people who just love this movie <laughs> like who else would I even have found yeah, it? I, I don't know i just thought that was kind of kind of funny well on that note we've now covered exhaustively covered uh silent night deadly night part two which by the way i got confused because i thought that the silent night deadly night movies were a different thing but i was actually thinking of silent night bloody night which is a separate Ooh. series different different series and it's one that i actually have the first one on dvd because you know all those like big collections of like 13 to 20 horror movies that I would get at like Walmart and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Silent Night, Bloody Night just showed up on one of those one time. <laughs> so when I first watched Silent Night, Deadly Night, it was not that. And I was like, what? And I looked it up later. And I was like, oh, it was Bloody Night. Silent Night, Bloody Night. Getting my Silent Nights mixed up. It happens, man. I feel like that's a that's a solid mistake to make because they're, bo- <laughs> they, they're both good, right? Uh, I think that Silent Night, Deadly Night is probably better than Silent Night, Bloody Night, if I'm being just completely honest, but I can't remember it well enough to really make a call. So So, maybe that'll um, be our Christmas movie next year. Yeah, right. Because that is the other thing is we never really mentioned it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Good. We never really mentioned it, but this is our 
Halloween or Halloween. Halloween. Jesus. <laughs> this is our this is our Christmas special. Like this is it. This is the one. So this is it. This is our this oh. is our Christmas extravaganza. Oh oh oh. Santa oh, Claus. Oh, oh. Reindeer, sugar plums, a nutcracker. What other Christmas things? Um, uh, oh, speaking of nutcracker. How about when the lady screams when he kills her with the bow and arrow and it shows all the nutcrackers with the open mouth? <laughs> that was funny, yeah. That was solid. Another solid kill from the first one. Yeah. So Ricky today is looks like it's nowhere. So I mean, on. I, I kind of yeah, I kind of had a feeling that it wouldn't be anywhere. If it's anywhere, it's on his website, probably. That's probably Oh, I should look there. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I was looking I, at the I was looking at the reviews for Silent Night Bloody Night and they are unfavorable. Yeah, sure. So yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that one for next no, year. Definitely not. I, I also know that probably by the time next year rolls around, we're probably gonna forget most of the things we said we should do next year. So um Except for um ooh, I almost said the name of the movie. Yeah, don't. We but we're talking about every episode. <laughs> we just talk about it every episode and we'll never forget yeah. it. All right. Well, I think that we've exhaustively covered that. We've announced that it, Christmas happened because this will be, what, two days after Christmas? Yeah, so the 27th. Yeah, enjoy the holiday season. Yeah. Ooh, that's the sound happy, of a winter breeze. <laughs> a, winter, a very haunting winter breeze. <laughs> I mean, they are. Winter Not breezes to be confused are very with a haunting fall breeze. No, very different. That one goes very different. Yeah, See, there's different. a. Tr- there's a tremolo in the in the Halloween uh, fall one. So exactly. Yeah. All right. Now what do we do? Sorry, I'm just watching the the trailer and it just says the garbage day. I mean, so good. You gotta. Yeah, we we all love garbage day. I know. But what we have to do is tell people what our next movie is gonna be. We sure do. What? So what do we got going on next? Well, since we didn't do my. Uh, uh, creepy critter Christmas that I was playing for, for the uh, for the you know entire month of December. The only thing to do is to pick one of those movies and do it instead. So we're going to do uh, a classic 1988 film called The Nest, Ooh. a story about uh, a bunch of uh, cockroaches that kill people because they get extra strong because of science. So. This one is kind of limited, but it definitely is on Tubi, so can get it on Tubi for sure. It says it's on the Roku channel, that it's on Plex, and it says it's on Amazon Prime Video. Again, I always put like an asterisk on that. Like, I don't know for sure if that's like a pay to rent or if it is actually yeah. there to, to watch, but you can definitely get it on Tubi, Roku channel, and, and Plex. So join us next time as we discuss... Uh, what happens when I think that they're like made extra strong by science or something. It's been a while since I've seen it and I kind of mix it up with a different roach one called mimic. Oh God. Don't talk about that one. Yeah. I kind of mix up those, but I think they're yeah. doing similar things, but for sure. Don't quote me on it. Yeah. Well, um, I, you know, I, I love this movie. This, we had a blast. I can't wait for, uh, for the nest. I think we're going to have fun with that one too. Uh, any bug hating, you know, I, I just take a second here. So silent night, deadly night part two has a 3.9 rating on IMDb. Like, like wh- wh- who's rating these like movies? 
<laughs> I don't I don't know. Anyways, Probably casuals. Uh, yeah. Bunch of filthy casuals. casuals. Yeah. Get on so, our level. You have to enjoy watching Chip's eyeballs explode. Yeah. Like, come on. Umbrella? Garbage day? Anyways. Perfect movie. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that's all uh, I wanted to cover today. We did some housekeeping at the top of the show. Um, any closing thoughts? Parting words of wisdom? Ooh, no pressure. Um, <laughs> no. Actually, uh, if you are, I guess this will be after uh, Christmas yeah. proper. But I know a lot of people, which also, like, is like a lot of people will be on break during this time. It's like, uh, I also have worked retail. I know that some people, like, have jobs that require them to work right. every day. And to you, I am so sorry. That's devastating. Like, in my, my job when I, yeah, when I worked uh, any hourly job I had, you know, rarely did we have any. Uh, PTO to take time off around Christmas. Uh, so to those of you who don't get to take a lot of holiday time off, that's awful. Um, but what I wanted to bring up is this will be a couple days after Christmas. And um, there's actually a movie that came up on Shudder. Uh, it's called It's a Wonderful Knife. And it was actually a pretty fun little slasher take on It's a Wonderful Life. So uh, if you're if you find yourself between Christmas and New Year's looking for something to watch, and you have Shutter. Check that out. It's pretty cool. Maybe oh I should write God. a review Justin about Long it. Is that, is in it? it. Yeah, Justin Long is in it. Yeah, and Joel, Joel McHale. McHale? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. All yeah, right. it's a, it's a pretty funny movie. It's pretty good. Uh, it's it's yeah. It's um. It says it's it's, on it's a little. Too. Uh, it's probably because Amazon has an a- AMC Plus plugin on it, uh, and it's Shutter is owned by AMC, so it's probably gotcha. like yeah, an extra steps kind of thing. Okay. But it is it is an interesting little movie. I think it gets a little too complicated for its own good. So uh, beware of that. But all in all, I, th- I thought it was pretty fun. That's awesome. Well, I know what I'm doing between uh, Christmas and New Year's. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Here to help. Yeah, I, that movie, because it's a wonderful life. That's uh, one of the ones they play 24, like constantly back to back to back to back. Um, so as a kid, like you can't sleep. Like in the holidays, I just remember that being on like constantly. So, yeah, you know, one of the reasons it wasn't actually one of Frank Capra's most popular or like best known movies, it was just that the rights to it were like either cheap or free. So places would just buy up the rights just to play it during the holiday season. And it became a classic because of repetition. Basically, it wasn't that well received on release. Just like forced down our throats for (laughs) for 50, 60 years. Yeah, because like Frank Capra probably has better work i mean i would say he has better work for sure but some people might make the argument now that it was an undiscovered classic and that's why it took off it's like i think it took off just because of being associated with the holiday season yeah (laughs) but but yeah i agree so fun fact about it's a wonderful life there you go cool well uh that's all i wanted to get into today um i've been shane and i've been Garbage day. Garbage day. Oh, wait, no, I've been Stefan. Oops, uh, uh, what an embarrassing slip up. <laughs> uh, keep it spooky. Spooky. Naughty. <laughs> Punish. Punish. Alright, bye. Bye. Oh, oh, no. Christmas is cancelled.